Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. It's happening, weirdos. Uh, it's a wonderful day. <laughs> It's a wonderful episode with Michael Ian Black. I'm sitting here with Val. Hi. Hi. We're in uh, my trailer here in New York City. We're shooting Crashing Season 2. Super excited about that. Uh, but I'm super excited about this uh, episode with Michael Ian. Michael Ian B. Mikey E.B. And as I always say, and rarely do, I say let's get to it as quickly as possible. I mean it this time. We're going to get to it as quickly as possible. Uh, Shop.PeteHolmes.com for all the t-shirts and stickers and stuff. We also have a wonderful sponsor with our friends at ZipRecruiter. I don't know if you're hiring. Are you? Excuse me. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job for the best candidates? You can. Uh, we all know that finding great talent can be tough, but thankfully, with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then, their powerful technology efficiently and effectively matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them... In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply scream, rate, motorcycle, <laughs> and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and see if you're uh, and find the most qualified job candidate with immediate results. All you got to do, if, you, if you're a listener of the show, which you are, because here you are, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Holmes. ZipRecruiter.com slash Holmes. One more time. You want to say it? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter.com <laughs> slash Holmes. <laughs> and as always, I like to give a shout out to my Pete's Picks. There are two Pete's Picks. We know this by now. These are products that I use and love every single day. One is Alpha Brain. Alpha Brain is a nootropic, which is like a vitamin for your brain, made from earth-grown ingredients. Uh, it's not a stimulant like coffee. It just helps with concentration, focus, memory, the, specifically the language centers of your brain. Any script I'm writing, any podcast I'm uh, recording, anytime I'm doing stand-up, anytime I'm acting, like today, I always have a couple Alpha Brains in my pocket and in my belly. It'll take about three, 15 minutes before I have to do anything that uses my noggin. And if you want to try it, something that helps uh, me with a little bit of a mental edge, go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and you will get 10% off your purchase of Alpha Brain. I swear by it. I hope you like it. The other one is, uh, the other Pete's pick is Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. Val, you love this one too? I sure do. Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. I just gave some, as I said last week, to my makeup artist, uh, Brenna, and she said it helped her not want to kill anybody at work. And that's one of, one of the things I love about it. It has a calming, soothing effect. It's made from hemp, but it takes out the THC, which is the uh, psychoactive part. Ooh, fire truck. Oh, ZipRecruiter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't say ZipRecruiter. Uh, it's a wonderful, for me, all of this is anecdotal, obviously. It's uh, not FDA stuff. 
Uh, it's anti-anxiety. I take it for flights. I take it for aches. I take it for pains. I take it just to feel calm and chill and a happy glow that doesn't affect my brain in any negative way. And I want you to try it. And all you got to do if you want to try it and get 10% off is go to cwhemp.com slash weird and use promo code keep it crispy and you'll get 10% off one of the products that I love very much. So try Pete's Pick, Alpha Brain, Charlotte's Web, and thank you, ZipRecruiter, for your uh, support of this podcast. Nice job. Quick and easy. Yeah, people have been complaining that the Pete's Picks are too long. You're doing great. That was nice and short. Tell the people what you said. I agree that they have been too long. <laughs> I didn't know how to break it to them, so thanks, guys, for doing that. But here we are, four-minute <laughs> intro. Enjoy Michael Ian Black. ZipRecruiter, get into it. <laughs> we, and we can just start. You want to just throw these on? There's no, like, intro or anything. Yeah. Um, I like listening to it. What was this? Yeah, we're doing it. It's 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 tiring, but fun. Uh, yeah, TV shows are tiring, but fun. Well, sometimes. <laughs> Where are the volume knobs, Alex? No, you said knob. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not confident it's fun making a TV show. A I tell myself it is. Well, you've done it a lot. Yeah, a little bit more. Uh, thanks, buddy. That's perfect. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, I, it's like a block of cement is what I think it's like. It, Which it, is, when I think of fun things, <laughs> block of cement <laughs> doesn't shrink to mind. Well, I just mean it's wall to wall. There's, yeah. a, there's a zen to it, meaning, of course it's another take. Right. Of course the, the reel ran out. Or, or of course there was a problem with the sound. Or of course, like, it's, it's relentless. Right. And you can either be like, or, but I watch the cameramen, the guys that have to do way more work than me. And they're smiling like Hindu cows. And I think it's because they enjoy no, 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 no. the wall-to-wallness. No, they all take Adderall. <laughs> That's how they get through it. You don't know that? I hope not. They go, the camera much. department is doing nothing but Adderall. <laughs> and then at night, to come down, just ludes. <laughs> they bring ludes back. Yeah. I love ludes. The best. <laughs> I don't know what a lude is. I don't either, but Quailude. I've always... Quaalude, Quaalude. Well, yeah, I, but I don't, I don't know. I've never seen or tried one, but yes. I've always fantasized about it because it just seems like... It it's be, a real sloppy relaxer. That's what it seems like. <laughs> like you get spilled. I don't know what that means. Like you're a glass of water and oh, you take yes. a Oh, I would love that. And you're spilled. Um, but you, what, do, what is your experience? Because I, I just said that to somebody yesterday. I hypothesized that there's something relaxing about how relentless it is. Uh-huh. And if you surrender to it, you're kind of like, wow, 14 hours goes by pretty quickly if you're like really just kind of surrendering. And then they were like, not if you're on a show that's not good, fun, right. or appreciated. Yeah, all of that I think is true. <laughs> have you – I don't want to – this isn't like a salacious show, but have you been on something where you're like, this just isn't good? And we're... Uh, that, I don't think – I think you're misusing the word salacious. <laughs> salacious means dirty. Yeah, well, I thought it just meant tantalizing, like scintillating. Uh-huh. So you're looking, uh, yeah, you're, it wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> this isn't a I've gossip. Never, I've never this been isn't working, a gossip podcast. No, I've never been working on shows. Well, that's not true. Uh, yeah, I've been on shows that I didn't think were good. And uh, sometimes, in a way, it's easier because the stakes are so low. <laughs> you're like, oh, this is terrible. So I don't have to worry about anything. They got it. In a weird way, it's harder when you know the show is good because. You have to elevate your game. Yeah. What was the stash for? 
another period on another Comedy period, Central, which I love. Yeah, yeah which, uh, that, uh, that's not one of the shows. That yes, I think it's yes. bad. And now the rest of the interview, we're gonna have to be like, that wasn't one of the shows. No, it's not. It's n- <laughs> it's not n- nothing that I was like uh, a regular cast member on. I for example, you've just been floating by something that was. Not yeah, so you just great. do with something on a something, and you're like, Ugh. it takes so much work, though. That's what working in TV has made me appreciate. That even if you see something that's a real turd, so right. like I didn't like Baby Driver, for example, I didn't like it, but. I'm like this took years. I, f- I feel like you, you. I feel like you're just sewing that patch on and and strutting around with it. You're I the didn't first like, person. I, I didn't like Baby Driver. I went in high hope. Did you see it? I just saw it yesterday. What did you think? I loved it. Why? And I didn't expect to love it. I actually expected to walk out of it with your reaction. I expected to be the. Uh, uh, I went in the iconoclast, expecting to love it. Every, I, it was one of those times where I, was, I didn't watch any previews. Right. I just saw so many people talking about it. I was like, don't tell me anything. Before the movie, they played like a, thanks for coming to Baby Driver, like the director. I saw that. And, and I closed my eyes and covered my ears because I was like, I don't want to say anything. And then I was, and, and there's the first 10 minutes are undeniable. I think it's yep. wonderful fun. And then the rest of the movie, I'm like, how many conversations can we have about, can this kid do the job? He's wearing earphones. Four? <laughs> and how many conversations can we have about, your name's Baby? Four? And every, I, I don't want, here's my point. I don't really, I really don't want to shit on the movie. I just want to say, even when I don't like something, because we've worked in this yeah. grind, I go, it's just not for me. I understand how other people like it because it's so fucking hard to make something that people hate but you've, or love. You've made things before. Yes, and but this is different. This right. is like I, I yeah, guess this is all consuming a, for you. It's more consuming. Right. The talk show, and you have talk show experience. You you drop it off. Right. You know, you go in and you do it, and it's it's not disposable. But you're like, and the show's done, and we're done. Right. I'm not in the edit. I'm not really involved, which, and we air it. And like uh, with this, it, it's it's more like polishing. Maybe stuff. that's why your show didn't last because you didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the edit, but not for like the monologues and stuff. <laughs> what was your What was yours like? You would. You're a great host. You oh, were that's wonderful. Nice of you. I thought that was a. I've never had a, a talk wonderful show. fit. Well, you were a guest host. I've guest hosted. I thought you were wonderful. I, I tuned in. Thanks. I, by the way, I should say this. I always forget to say. I'm a huge fan. I think you're so funny. Thanks, Pete. You're it's, like I'm back at you. I, well, that's great to hear. I you, you've done something very hard to do, which is you are a Michael Ian Black type. I never get hired. <laughs> <laughs> Just in general. <laughs> what do you mean? I... You are the descriptor. They go. We're looking for a Michael Ian Black type. But if I wouldn't even know what that was, if I were to go in and read, <laughs> if I were to go in and read for Michael Ian Black type, I guarantee you, I would not get that job. Guarantee. I've actually heard stories of people oh, yeah, I'm going sure. in for the type, and they are the type. And because they don't you don't get know it. what that means. But I think I know what it means. Do you know what a Pete Holmes type is? If you were to go in, would I, you be able to get that part? I think I would know what they were going for. What? Pro- like goofy, uh-huh. silly, leaning towards positive, probably loved Baby Driver. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, my persona loved Baby Driver. Right. You're, I, I, it's going to sound like I'm insulting you, but you're sarcastic. Yeah. Snarky. But I wouldn't know how to. Intelligent. I wouldn't know how to do any of that in a read. I really wouldn't. <laughs> but I, and well, and, and I wouldn't recognize myself in whatever they wrote. I'd be like, oh, that's not you me. Ne- you don't have people that can write for you. What about the Wayne and the and the Showalter? They can't be like, we wrote snarky. Well, that's different. Of, that's different. These we, are friends. Yeah, we write. I mean, we write together. These are usually. Fans. These are when, fans. When, when when we're doing that stuff. But but uh, I feel like I could write a very good Michael do. Black. <laughs> I can't believe it. I'm shocked. <laughs> I, I, I look at your resume and your career, and like it, it's like Janine, Janine Garofalo. Yeah. It's like the, there are these types that you go, well, who's like you? Right. Who beats you for jobs? If if it's like a Michael well, Black I'm not type. Really, I'm not really competing <laughs> for jobs in that way, which is to say 
I'm so intimidated by the process of auditioning, and I'm so bad at it. I've, that's that shocking. It's to not, me. It, well, not to me, who lives it. That <laughs> well, you're I, you all day. I know, and God. <laughs> oh, that I have basically removed myself from the audition game. Okay. To the extent that I can, which is which is considerable. Yeah, sure. So I'm generally uh, either writing my own shows, uh, which then don't go anywhere, or writing books, <laughs> or doing stand up, or well, you... or friends hire me to be in things. Yes, which is a certain kind of good life, I would have to imagine. It is good. You're not chasing the carrot. I'm not. You... I mean, I mean, I don't think anybody ever stops chasing the carrot. <laughs> Carrots are. Delicious. delicious. <laughs> metaphoric metaphoric carrots are delicious because like in the, well in the metaphor we're yeah, horses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for horses <laughs> carrots are terrific. <laughs> or a burro. Either one. Possibly love. a burro. Possibly. <laughs> but I don't feel like the burro responds to the sticks as well. That's true. So it really has he to be a, in circles. It really a has horse. to be a horse. <laughs> yeah, okay. I and get in it. which case the carrot is the platonic ideal, and so <laughs> I am. To be something better. I am us. chasing that yeah. in my own way, but but not 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 in the traditional way, I guess. It, did you start out by doing that? Because yeah. is, I think a lot of people that listen to the show are interested in how folks like us get into. Wait, you're saying us. a lot of people don't listen to the show? A lot. Why of people, am I here? A lot of people that listen oh. to the show are. Inter- I'm personally interested. And in, did you have to carve your own way? Yeah. It, what, I, I, okay, tell me what that was like because when you started. I have to imagine you were bright-eyed and a little more bright-eyed bushy-tailed. You weren't coming in and being like, I'm going to tell you I'm Michael Ian Black, the famous person. That's like a later in life. Well, I wasn't Michael Ian Black, the famous exactly. person. And <laughs> in most circles, remain not, <laughs> not Michael Ian Black, Black, the famous person. But that's kind of part of your joke now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> is it a joke? <laughs> it's, no. a, it's a truth. It is a true thing. But to call yourself Michael Ian Black, the famous for like a lot of oh, your, that. your stuff. Yes, is yes, like, yes. Oh, oh no, very me. important celebrity yes. and like authority. Right. And but like, that joke only works because it's not true. Like Al Franken just wrote a book called Al Franken, Giant of the Senate. Very right. funny book title, except for the fact that he is kind of becoming a giant of the Senate. Right. And it so stops you go, working. Right. It's, when Greg Proops is really the smartest man on earth, it stops being as cute. You're like, wait a minute. You are the smartest man. <laughs> hey, <much>. kittens. <laughs> uh, so, sorry. We had to just force some uh, Greg Proops impression in. But uh, when you're starting, you weren't high status. What I'm saying is, let's go back well, to oh, Michael Schwartz. <laughs> uh, yes. I had a very unusual situation which is that I was on a relatively high-profile hit television show immediately, which was The State on MTV. Yes, love The State. And it it created a a springboard for all of us to then do whatever we did. That's exciting. Uh, It was exciting. Uh, I'm still excited. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) And then from there... I'm outside of time and space. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I'm still excited for that. How old are you at that point? 23. Shut the fuck up. That's great. I mean, when, it, I mean, I'm do- when the state is done, I'm like 23 or 24. That's insane. Um, and then I immediately uh, co-created another television show. Uh, spent a few years working on that. Then, then I'm I, a little bad on my Michael Ian Black history. Is it's called Viva Variety. Viva Variety on Comedy Central. Then I went. Then we did our last season in LA, thinking, well, it's probably time to start joining the LA workforce. <laughs> and you pick up your briefcase filled with nothing. That's right, <laughs> just <laughs> dreams, just shallowness <laughs> and dreams. Uh, so I toted my my briefcase to LA, <laughs> where it immediately became apparent to me that. I was just another guy. I am shocked. No. 
You're Mike. You were always Michael Ian Black to me, and, and to me when I once I became Michael Ian Black from Michael Schwartz, then I was immediately Michael Ian Black to me. Um, Can we rewind a little bit? Tell me about getting into the the first one, the state, because that's an interesting thing. You must have been twenty. No, I was. When the state formed, I was 17. 17. I'm talking about the TV show, though. The TV show came, I guess, when I had just turned 21. So you guys got together. Yeah, we got I, together I'm sure in college. I've told the story a lot, but let's, well, maybe the pitch of the TV show, that's an interesting thing. How was that discovered? Or? Well, it, through a series of um, Orgies. fortuitous connections, uh, we, the state, <laughs> landed a job on a short-lived television show called You Wrote It, You Watch It, which was a a, a, a terrible show, speaking of which, <laughs> where... We found it. Yeah. People <laughs> would write in, and this is... They would literally write in, uh, I think, uh, letters to MTV and describe something that had happened to them, and then MTV would sort of reenact it. You wrote it, and then we, we would watch That's it. That's like an improv game. So huh. you'd ask yeah, the well, yeah, but it'd be more story. scripted. It'd be more uh, uh, scripted than right. that. Right. John Stewart hosted, and we, uh, David Wayne, who? Uh, we, the I'm state. Too, I know I'm too late for the John Stewart who. Joke. Oh, John. Oh, that who? Uh, can you say it again so I can nail the joke? Yeah, uh, John Stewart hosted. Who? Uh, Pete. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> See, you're an excellent actor. Thanks. We'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> We're going to fluff your pillows nice and soft. David Wayne had been an intern at MTV and had pitched them the idea that we would shoot video of people telling their stories and then we would reenact it. And they said, that's a bad idea. We don't want you to do that. <laughs> and then on our own, we created a sample reel of that. Okay. So that means you knew someone who could write, uh, produce and edit. I mean, this is... No. No. It was us. We you, said, you hire us on Moss, and we will do everything. Moss? Uh, more. You hire us... Moss. You hire us on more. I was picturing a green thing no, no. covering In total. Rock. You hire us together. Yeah, in and Moss. We, and we, M-A-S-S-E. That's right. Uh-huh. Uh, in pool, Salacious. it's a Massé shot. A Massé shot. Massé? Massé? Massé. That's a curving shot. And Moss. Uh, yes. We... Became essentially a production unit. But of what our I'm own. saying is, it's essential in these stories. Aziz, human giant. Mm-hmm. I hate to include myself, but I uh, something really opened up for me when I met Oren Brimmer because he could use, you know, Adobe. He could edit things. Right. He could make them into things. So somebody in the group, I'm guessing, half of us were film majors. Okay, so you knew what to do, right? You and so we would run our own sound. We would get our own wardrobe. We would amazing. We did everything. Then the the mysterious thing is the talent. <laughs> you know what I and, mean? We had some. Yeah, that's great. And then based on the strength of those shorts that we did for that show, we were able to pitch and get our own television show. Amazing. To MTV. Yeah. The same people that the said same that's people. a dumb idea. But that that's one of the things I think that clicks for a lot of people is and it's difficult because you guys had the talent and that's the heart that's the thing you can't fake. You get a no, you do it anyway because you have a little bit of grit and a little bit of like I think we believe in ourselves more than corporate people might believe in us and you make it anyway right and a lot of people are doing that now because it's easier to make stuff anyway but you were doing it kind of at a time that that was very special too and uh and difficult and probably <laughs> what, what what made it happen was the fact that uh we were at nyu and they had equipment i mean literally they had equipment you went where the equipment was yeah so we <laughs> yes. we had access to equipment we couldn't do it on our phones right you know you had to go to there had to be editing facilities and there had to be cameras right. and there had to be boom i mean there had to be 
there had to be productive production elements right. that we didn't have access to on our own, but we were students. Which is essential. Yeah. You went where the stuff was. That's right. And then made stuff. That's right. Do you and, remember? And, and we were in the place, New York City, where that stuff was happening. Super exciting. But yeah. you did show up. It's like the Woody Allen thing, yeah. 99% of success. You showed up. We you showed went up. where stuff was and you started making stuff. Was that – is that a fond memory, the electricity of making your first stuff? No. Filming your – No. <laughs> I didn't like working on your road you watch it. No. No. We were all in a windowless room about the size of this studio uh, all day, every day. Uh, t- all 11 of us together arguing <laughs> and uh, the shoots were difficult and I was self-conscious about being on camera even though I was an actor. I what, is, know, what do you I, mean? You were shy? I, yeah, and I didn't really know how to be on camera. I'd never really done it before and uh, I, yeah, I didn't enjoy it. I think that's one of the most bizarre things. Again, I'm no expert, but having done one season of a show, just that. So it's four hours of, of, of something. The th- lessons you learn on acting just in that are insane, but the only way you can learn them is by doing it. Yeah. So that's what you were probably facing. It's like, you probably want to be an actor, or it sounds like maybe you weren't sure. No, no. I was studying acting, but I, to that point, I'd only done stage acting. I see. I'd it only just done, the film element. Yeah, it was a whole new thing for me. And doing it softened you up? Uh, no, I didn't really learn any... I, I, didn't, I didn't learn the correct lessons doing You Wrote It, You Watch It. <laughs> I didn't learn them doing the state. I didn't – it took me a long time and I'm still learning a lot of lessons about acting. Yeah. When did it start to click I suppose? Uh, 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 You're still uh, not sure? <laughs> I'm not even making a joke. I'm not even making a joke. I feel like I've gotten better at acting for maybe – like I've maybe made a, a, a step forward for the first time in like the last year. I've gotten better at acting. That's so funny. But, but like – and I wasn't – I'm just – for somebody who – Always thought of himself as an actor. Yes. Uh, you mean you, when you were a kid, yeah. you're like, this is for me. And I always did it, and I was always uh, successful at it in terms of sort of where I was in my life. Yes. I wasn't good. <laughs> and uh, a lot of times I'm still not good. Mm-hmm. And it requires from me a lot of effort to make myself feel like I'm doing passable work. Hmm. And what is, what is that like for you to prep? Is it the reason I ask is sometimes it leans towards like I got to get the right amount of sleep, I got to eat this sort of food, I got to make this, 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 or are you just kind of like I prepare more technical? It's um, it's more mental than technical, and it has a lot to do with uh, it 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 has a lot to do with settling into your myself and trusting my own. This is going to sound corny as fuck, but humanity ah. and not putting on too much. Vulnerability. Yeah. That's what Gary Shandling would talk about. His, mm. his acting coach taught him nobody is brave enough to learn something in front of the lens. They go and they do something like a little right. show. Right. But a great actor, your Daniel Days, your whatever, will, Meryl Streep will learn something and that's very human. So mm-hmm. I don't think that sounds cheesy at all. Um, but it's probably a hard thing to understand if you're not. In that world, I understand. Out of context, it sounds like a dumb. It's not, it's a stupid magnet. Thanks, thanks, man. <laughs> I mean, I really thought this was going to be a supportive conversation. <laughs> I was trying. And now to you're yes calling in. me stupid. <laughs> I was trying to yes in your pre- your premise. <laughs> the idea, though, that acting requires this weird inner confidence. I think that's what's strange about it. Is even if you're playing a meek person, this is. I, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but Ted Danson. Somebody worked with Ted Danson, and Ted Danson said, "Isn't acting embarrassing?" Oh yeah. And I was like. 
Yes. It's mortifying. It's so everyone around knows you're pretending. That's right. And it's stupid. So stupid. <laughs> and you have to get over that. You have to. That's your job. And you have that's to invest job. in it. Yes. And you have to, in a sense, pretend that you're not pretending. That's right. And, and, ah, and you I love ha- that. And you have to... You have to uh, you have to approximate approximate as much as humanly possible that you are living in a moment when you're surrounded by sixty dudes yes. and some ladies, right? Uh, who are mostly thinking about lunch or when they can get home. Yes, and uh, the camera guy who's really only focused on focusing <laughs> and and making sure that you're exactly where you need to be yep and the sound person who's worried about the way that you're touching your shirt yeah um (laughs) and there's a million things going on that are entirely antithetical to actually living in a moment yeah and yet you somehow have to figure out how to do that that's it and that that's the job it's not very sexy no it's very unsexy no and uh and even the sexy parts, the literally sexy parts, yes. are incredibly unsexy. Yes. Have you done sex scenes? I, I recently did one for another period, uh, and I wasn't feeling very good about the way I looked, and I wasn't. And you it's just vulnerable. Had, it's very. I just did my first thing. You did. I'm wearing a Houdini. Do you know? Were yeah, you wearing yeah. a Houdini? Which... No, I was wearing. Uh, uh, no, I didn't have a cock sock on. I was. <laughs> I, I was basically in like a dance thong and otherwise exposed. <laughs> But I mean, it's not even my nudity that part- – it's more just like my overall oeuvre of yuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My oeuvre of yuck is what I'm <laughs> – and feeling apologetic about it, like constantly apologizing. To the crew and everybody? More to my co-star. And your co-star. To Paget Brewster, who's so lovely physically and otherwise. And I'm like, I'm sorry you have to look at this. I'm really sorry. Oh, of course. I'm just – you have an iconic sex scene in, in Wet Hot, the, the movie. Yeah. Of course. I, I just remember it. It popped into my head. Yeah. That was that was very iconoclastic, to use your word. Very. I remember being a young man. We're similar age, but I'm a little behind you. And seeing that and being like my mind being blown at a time when things were like – we were still calling things gay. Like, <laughs> we were like, that's gay. <laughs> it was like a slur and a slang and it wasn't cool or funny or right. even like an area. Like it was the age – did you see the movie The Opposite of Sex, Christina Ricci? No. She does the voice – not a lot of people did. Uh, it's Meaning it's not a huge movie, but – um, there's a scene where two dudes kiss and she comes in the voiceover and she goes, if you ladies, if you're on a date with a guy right now who went you like, basically she like calls the guy out mm-hmm. and is like, he's insecure. He's like a fucking weirdo. And, and he might be hiding something from you or whatever. It's like this really funny moment. And when I was there, I was like so proud of myself that I didn't ooh because it was the age of ooh. It was the time we like it was the age of that's gotta hurt. And if two dudes kiss, you go ugh. Like you do it. I remember. I, I don't want to throw my brother under the bus, but I remember asking my brother just the, the joke question. I was like, "Would you suck a dick for a million dollars?" And he went, "Ugh." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which. I mean, we've come a long way. Now I feel like if I asked my brother, just culturally, he'd be like, well, you know, do I have to swallow? <laughs> like, he'd have right. some follow-up questions. But this was the... When did Wet Hot come out? It came out in 2001. We shot it in 2000. Still the age of yuck, un- unfortunately. We're it, coming out of yeah, it. Yeah, it was just sort of coming out of the age of yuck. But the, but things like this helped. I, I'm not I'm not it, trying to give you a... I don't know if it did or didn't because nobody saw it at the time, but... Uh, <laughs> I did. You did. Thank you. <laughs> but at the, no, at the time, it, I, it was very much... Um. Uh, it was slightly boundary pushing, yeah. and what and what was sort of boundary pushing about it was the way it was treated. Which everything else in the movie is treated with 
little to no care in terms of <laughs> the way it's shot. It is. It switches gears. It switches it gears. It switches gears hard. And it's like, <laughs> we really care about this moment. Yes. And we want you to, and this is our merchant ivory moment. Yes. And we want you to really revel in this and celebrate And you revel it. is the right word because yeah. it's not played like It's not for played shock. for laughs. It's, it's not, not played, played for, for laughs. No. And you have to sit with it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember how long it was, but I remember being like. It's not like, that long. But it's Being like, this it's is notable. longer. It's, it's notable. <laughs> it's not the airplane. Remember an airplane where tits fly yeah. by? No, it's, it's not, not the that. airplane turbulence tits. No, it's. It's Bradley it's and I like going at it, going at it. And, and <laughs> neither of us had had a sex scene before. Uh, and certainly neither of us had had a gay sex scene before. And we had to have that conversation of, uh, you know, we just need to make the decision between us yeah. that we're going to go for it. Yeah. You know, that we're just going to, we're Talk really going to commit to this. Well, this is what we're talking about. It's like the, the short play in impress the crew look cool on set is actually a terrible long play. The long yes. play is how will I look when it's a thing? Right. And this is what I had Wayne on the podcast and he seems to be that for you have to be able to in the way that you were able to go it'll be better. I know you weren't playing it for last but better possibly funnier. It is pretty funny. Well, it's meant it's meant to be funny in that what the joke about it, the joke of it is the contrast with the rest of the tone of the movie. Right. The joke is how loving this is and how serious this is. Right. Not that it's these two dudes. It delights me. Right. It's still, but I'm, I'm saying it was so close to the time where the joke would have been. Yeah. A friend of mine, uh, Pat Walsh, who did this podcast a couple times, he's hilarious, sent me a clip of Problem Child. Hmm. And the joke is these two exterminators come to the door. So the Problem Child, late 80s, comes to the door and, uh, is that a John Ritter movie? It is a John Ritter movie. And uh, it's, it's just a bit part. It's these two exterminators in the mail. And he comes to the door and he goes, okay, just wait one second. I'll be right back. Close the door. And just a little downbeat, one of them touches the other one. And then he goes, like, not now. Like, and the joke is, these guys are gay. That was a joke <laughs> hey, at the time. Can it's you like, believe it? Exterminators. <laughs> guys who kill bugs. Have a sexuality. Right. I think that was it. If they were there to install curtains or fix, you know, like right. the, it, not as funny. They're going like it is funny because it's like a working. Imagine, right. <laughs> imagine this would never be. But it, I know it was a good fifteen years later or whatever. But it was still. I, I guess I'm realizing. I wasn't planning on asking you about this, but I'm realizing now that that was a big. Were you deal. planning on jerking off the way you are? Because I think you, that's weird. You mean furiously? <laughs> Very. I didn't know if it was. I mean, I wouldn't. I, I didn't know that you were furious when you were doing it. I knew that you were active. <laughs> Is it weird that I'm flaccid? <laughs> I can't get it going. How are you with sex? Because I'm going to tell you a funny story. What am I? So you're asking you? a question yeah. to set up your own story that that's you're going right. to tell me. That's so just right. tell me the story. That, you don't. Yep, you don't. That's the, right. The question is irrelevant. But I'm clearly. hooking you. Yeah, I'm See, not. You're too, you're too smart. You're smarter than all the other guests. Had you been a little smarter, you would have asked the question and then just told the story instead of saying true. I prefaced. You certainly did. I cleared my throat, as they say. <laughs> oh, you write books. We should talk about that. That's a big thing. Don't clear your throat, right? Sure. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> this, this is just what I was excited to tell you. When you're a touring comedian, every once in a while, you'll be a week behind somebody. And for a short stint there doing colleges, you were the guy. Yes. Like we were clearly on the same little three college tour. And I remember I did this one show. This is a good story, by the way, uh, in case you were like, is this <laughs> something terrible I did? Uh, I'm at a campus, and the show's in a chapel. And I'm not a super filthy guy, but I was just like, it's in a chapel. I mean, like a very religious Catholic chapel. And I was like, is it okay 
to swear and stuff? And the the woman, uh, you know, student booker that booked me was like, yeah, Michael Ian Black was here a week ago. And his opener, <laughs> his opener was, all the girls were going nuts or something. And he said, please line up in an orderly fashion oh, right. so I might eat your pussies. <laughs> In a timely and efficient manner. <laughs> and she was laughing, and I was like, I thought about it the whole show. Anytime I said fuck or shit, I was like, I'm not saying line up. Right. That I might eat. That's a fun, that's your opener. Yeah. In a chapel. Yeah. Come on, that's a Michael Ian Black type. Don't you see yourself? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's ballsy. Uh, you could have lost him. I could have. You sure could have lost him. Probably Colin. should have. Didn't, didn't I'm imagining didn't think, that's how we delight in you. There's everybody has a part of ourselves that delights you, in me. That was that <laughs> that delights, that in delights me. In everybody you. has a part in themselves that delights in I Michael Ian Black. There's we can all slip into a Michael Ian Black, and it's typically a story. It's like I don't know what came over me. I just said what I was thinking, <laughs> and you've leaned into that, and you're like, I'm just gonna say. The funniest, potentially one of the funniest openers, but also one of the worst things you could say to a bunch of 18, 19-year-old girls. And you're just like, sorry, this is happening. And it's funny. And it was funny. Yeah. Yeah, I do that. <laughs> I do that. This is my question. How are you about sex is funny? You, it seems like yeah. you agree with me. Sex is, is strange. It's strange that we're trapped in these things. That have I talk about it desires. on stage certainly less and less. Is that right? Because uh, I'm bored with it as a topic of comedy. I hear that. Um, so I talk about it less and less. Is it uh, – I, I, I suppose you're still a sexual person. Is it just – or is your desire dwindling? Are you becoming – Well, I'm chemically castrated. <laughs> With what, weed? <laughs> no, no, no. I had to because of some charges that I had. So, <laughs> Oh, no. Don't say that. So I believed you. I How could you possibly you. believe that? I believed you. Jesus. I believed uh, – I didn't believe you. Um, tell me – so you just don't think it's that great of a subject I anymore. just don't know. I don't know what the fresh take on sex is. I understand. And so I don't – I'm not – it's a little bit boring. It's a little but bit boring. But sexuality is certainly a part. I'm more interested in gender than sexuality. Tell me what you mean. I'm much more interested in gender roles and specifically kind of male gender roles and the way that those are evolving. Uh, we kind of touched on that, like even we're not being as ew about yeah, things. Yeah. That's part of it. Uh, I'm much more interested in that. Like, like what's well, something? Uh, I mean, I wrote a book about it called Navel Gazing. Okay. Um, which it, uh, uh the subtitle of which is it's called navel gazing true tales of bodies mostly mine but also my mom's which i know sounds weird <laughs> That's and, great. and it's a it's a memoir about um just body issues and and also my mom's health issues. Your, your mom had a health issue? I'm, uh -huh. I'm sorry to hear that. That's that's. Is that's she right. living? She died about six weeks ago. Is that right? Yeah. I'm so sorry, Mike. Thank you. Uh, six weeks ago, and what was she struggling with? I mean. You name it. it uh, the the podcast isn't long enough, really. But it it it, it all came out of a, a cancer about almost twenty years ago. Wow! Uh, and the treatment for the cancer essentially, as I said in the book, liquefied her organs, and mm. so um, she just ever, since and it just went downhill over the last decade and a half or so, and so it was inevitable. Um, but it was still unexpected when it happened. I, I hear. I, I'm not surprised to hear you say that. We've had people that have those deaths in slow motion, mm -hmm. and uh, Sarah Silverman was just on talking about that, and and it doesn't make it 
I think you you let me know. People go like, well, you know, she was coming. No, and, nobody and was saying. Like, no, nobody was like. I'm glad to hear yeah. that because those are assholes. But and nobody was also like, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear. I'm it. glad. Thank, thank goodness. <laughs> um, but it's it's the same. It's still a loss. Yeah. I, I guess to say even we all know we're dying. Mm-hmm. But still, when the event happens, I'm assuming you're close. We were close with your mom. Yeah, pretty close. Pretty close. Very close. Just well, pretty... geographically far, uh, emotionally close. I would say. Where was she? San Diego. Oh wow. I live in Connecticut. Oh boy. So you wouldn't see each other that often. No, but um, you know, I'm in LA a lot. So right. It, it wasn't. I'd see her several times a year. Growing up, were you the closer with your mom or your dad? That's a question uh, I like to ask everybody. About. Uh, uh, well, my parents divorced when I was young, and I lived with my mom, and then my dad died when I was 12. Okay. So, you know, my mom. Yes. Rough. That's a rough age. God, I'm sorry. Your dad yeah. died when 12, old enough to kind of remember. Yeah, and, and what what was terrible about it was he was not good with kids, uh, particularly. Not mean or anything, just didn't know how to relate to them very well. Right. And uh, around age 12 is when we were starting to sort of be able to relate to each other a little bit yes. better. Yes, yeah. So that was, that was, yeah, that was bad. That is the age where the, the, the boy and the dad are supposed to kind of team up. Mm-hmm. They're not, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but I have never talked to you about it. The idea that your mom makes so much sense when you're little, and I always say this, Joseph Campbell calls dad the hairy helper, and then, like, this kind of weird guy that's also there. You have kids. I wonder if you feel that way. You're kind of like, I'm also here. And then around this age, that, that's brutal to, to lose a dad at that point. Yeah, it was bad. Do you remember what it was like when you started to bond? Did you start going like, oh, I kind of like this guy? Uh, it was just starting. So, yeah, I mean, I remember those feelings kind of mm. changing. Mm. Um, and it wasn't like I disliked him before. Right. But like, we just didn't have that much right. togetherness. Was he like a like a domineering dad? I had like no. this oh, kind God, of no, no, not that way. No, he was very passive and very um, kind, but but uh, but distant. I mean, he was in, he was sort of nerdy and didn't really just was sort of into his own things. And he and he, he worked a tremendous amount, particularly towards the end of his life. Uh, so even on weekends when we were there to see him, a lot of times we didn't see him because he had he was working. Hmm. What um, did he do? He worked for AT&T in some mysterious capacity. Probably not mysterious to him, but I never understood exactly what he did. It had something to do with – He only installed the bat phone. (laughs) Just any phone, like the president phone that doesn't have any numbers. He did those mysterious phones. Well, at the time, AT&T was being uh, broken up. Uh, They were a monopoly. They were being broken up into all these little uh, baby bells they were called. And my dad had something to do with that, tariffs and things. Okay. So just busy work. And how did he pass – uh, a, a, a kind of weird series of circumstances that began with uh, what at the time was described to me as an assault, but may not have been, may have been something else. What is uh, may that? have been, may, he may have had a, um, he may have passed out and hit his head. Um, or he was assaulted, but anyway, it required brain surgery. He was in and out of the hospital. Oh, wow. Uh, and ultimately, he developed a uh, blood clot in his uh, in his leg, and it, because of the accident. Because of I think he or the uh, incident. Uh, yes, because he'd been prone uh, prone, like uh, meaning flat, supine, laying down for a long time. A good vocab. Thanks. <laughs> I'm no Greg Proops, kittens. 
I ultimately what I think happened is he uh, was genetically predisposed to venous thromboembolisms, which are blood clots. Okay. That you develop if you're in one place too long, and I think he got one and it killed him. Oh boy. Uh, now I have subsequently found out that I am also prone to that. Uh, different use of the word prone. Yeah. Uh, because my aunt, his sister, almost died from one. So now I take a little baby aspirin every day. And that, oh, really? Yeah, and that's supposed to reduce your risk considerably. Thinning the blood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Blood thinners. And wine. Well, yeah. And wine. <laughs> wine is good for you. <laughs> it, is, it will thin the old blood. Um, oh, what, what was I going to say to you? Forgive and forget right. the question. That's, I, it's both forgiven and forgotten. I, oh, this is what it was. Does this inform – so you have a dad – um, who, you know, was kind of distant. And now you have kids. Does this inform how you are as a parent? I have to imagine. Yeah, I, w- I, I can't imagine. I mean, I would imagine that anybody's relationship with their parents, for yes. good or ill, will affect their relationship with their children. I guess here's a better, better word. How did it affect how I think that parent? is a better yeah. question. Yeah, because uh, obviously it does. <laughs> uh, you Can I say this? Yeah, you see, I think you would be a great dad. I am a great dad. I love the way you you stand up for people on Twitter, and I, I've seen you. I was just watching your debate about rape culture, and I was like, Michael Ian Black seems in touch. Uh, perso- I, let's not even call it your persona. Your comedy aside, you seem like a very human person. Probably why you're a good actor and in touch with your feelings. And I, you, I, I don't know why. But in a split second, I just when I imagine you as a dad, I'm like, good dad. Like a good dad. <laughs> it's just a gut feeling. I uh, bet you're silly. I bet you're available, and you're and you're very smart and pass on good things. I'm less silly than you might think. Mm. I'm not a very silly. You're not dad. a silly bean. I mean, look, my kids are older now; they're 16 and 14. Mm-hmm. So uh, their sense of humor has matured to the point where uh, I can be silly, but it's not. That's not our primary right. mode. My primary mode of, of little, me making them laugh. They're little grown-ups. They are little grown-ups. <laughs> uh, but I, I can be stern, uh-huh. uh, more stern than my wife. So I tend to be more of the hard ass that's than my wife. Yeah. But that's a necessary energy. Yeah, I I'm think not you trying need to it. make it new, new agey. I'm just saying. We were just talking about this the on the New York City subway. The male voice gives commands, and the female voice, hey, we're back to gender, gives uh, information. She tells you, like, Grand Central will be next. Uh-huh. And he's like, stand clear of the closing door. <laughs> I've just, never noticed that. It's just an interesting thing. And uh, I'm not even forcing the Trump thing. That's one of the reasons why I think, because I know you have a lot of Trump feelings, and I love your Trump feelings. But uh, one of the reasons why he appeals to people is because the dad energy can be the disciplinarian. It can also be the one, like, we're not going to school today. We're going to the ball game. Right. The, the rule breaker. The, I'm not prepared, and I'm proud of it. Literally, the dick. Right. He's the dick. But uh, you're, you're finding your way, even though you are a comedian, you can be the firmer energy. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think I'm a dick about it. Uh, of course. I, I didn't mean to you, lump you it was, in. It was implied. It was very strongly It was implied. the transitive property. I'm calling you Trump. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I guess what I'm saying is it's, it, it might be surprising to the listeners to find that you have settled into the role of going, hey, I'll be this kind of thing to my wife's. Is your wife more sweet, more... Uh, is she sweet? Yeah, she, I mean, she, you know, sweet, she's a pushover. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> she's a fucking pushover. And I'm not having it. And I'm not having not it. not having it. But, I mean, inevitably, I have it. I constantly have it. 
And yet I'm happy. Because she it. ignores me. That's hilarious. Because she's she wants to please the children more than she wants to please me. Can you think of an instance where you, you had to are these daughters? I have a son and a daughter. A son and a daughter. A son younger, older? My son is uh, older. My daughter is younger. Okay. And so sometimes you have to step in and, and – I, it sounds so stupid to be firm or – I was going to say crack the whip. That's a terrible phrase. But you have to go in and go, your mom's full of shit. I'm, I'm stepping in. You can't do this. You well, need to- if there's a question <laughs> in front of both of us, I will say – you know, uh, my daughter will say – oh, I, here's a good example. <laughs> minor, very minor example. We're out to eat the other night. And this is a day after Macaroni Grill. Uh, my daughter had spent the entirety of her fortune, which I think is about $60, on some clothes that she wanted. Fine. It's her money. She can buy the clothes. Mm-hmm. We're at dinner. After dinner, as dinner is ending, she says, can we go to the candy store? Uh, she's 14 and she still likes gummy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, I don't really want to go to the candy store, but I get, I mean, if you, if you, it's eventually it comes to, she wants to buy gummy sharks or something. <laughs> okay. But she doesn't have any money for gummy sharks. Cause she bought clothes. Cause she bought clothes mm-hmm. and, and she wants $5 <laughs> to buy gummy sharks. I say, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No? No, not a chance. You need to understand that money is a finite resource. And you chose to spend your money on these shit clothes <laughs> at these shit stores that you frequent. Has she been to networth.com? This is a difficult <laughs> conversation to have. Oh, that's not, it's super easy for me. <laughs> I'm reveling. I'm loving this conversation. Because is your feeling mommy and dad's money is mommy and dad's money? No. My feeling is we will absolutely provide for you what you need, and sometimes we'll slip you some bucks. But you just got $60, and you spent it all immately. Yes. And now you want more. (laughs) At Claire's, essentially. Right. And now you want more money. Fuck you. No. (laughs) Had I not been there, my wife would have bought her the gummy sharks. Right away. I don't know right away. She might have put up a little fuss. Yes. But it's hard with sweet nope. baby children. <laughs> it's not hard. I feel like it's my job. Did you grow up uh, with tight tight money? Yeah. Little, I don't want to say poor, but like no, you're not. not. I, I understand with... what you're saying. It's an anti-Semitic remark. I understand what you're saying. I get it. God! <laughs> You're Jewish? Yeah. I never would have booked you <laughs> if I had known. Right. I don't, I don't need more of you in the media. <laughs> uh, no, you're, you're saying you grew up not with $5 for your own gummy sharks. No. Not, not unlimited gummy sharks. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. And that made an impact. But it is an interesting thing because you are in show business. Sure. And you uh, get book advances and, and show dates and all that sort of stuff. And Sometimes I ask to be paid in gummy sharks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying – what I'm saying is like sometimes I'm conflicted because what we're paid for it seems – at this point, we've paid our dues and now we can do a thing and that there's some demand for that thing and that's what a, what a privilege. And and then we get paid for that. It's hard to maybe communicate that to children. It seems like daddy just talks for a living uh, or, or is a silly bean maybe. They're not resentful of what I do. They're not like, why can't I have the gummy sharks you – Stand on a stage yeah. and tell jokes. Therefore, I have earned gummy sharks. You claim to love the 90s. Why don't you love me? <laughs> she wasn't born in the 90s. 
That's a great. That's a great burn for your daughter. Or I love the '90s, and I'm sorry, you missed it. You missed it. That's why Daddy doesn't love you as much as Sticky Hands. <laughs> uh, what I guess what I'm saying is uh, there's no equivalency of. Uh, because you enjoy your job, I should have everything I want. Right. That 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 that, that, has, that makes logical sense. Yeah. But if you're in like a you know laying brick, you can say like I bust my we bust. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a little yeah. bit different. Oh no no, I don't do that. I don't pull that card. You know, <laughs> Daddy's out there in the comedy mines all day. <laughs> ah, 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 ah. I don't. Do I'm that. looking yeah. for a fresh take on sex. <laughs> you know what it's like. I can't buy a gummy sharks. <laughs> I guess no. They know it's not like it's not like they're thinking to themselves, "Oh, Dad doesn't have the money for the gummy sharks." Yes, it's that they need to understand that they have finite resources, right? And they need to allocate them appropriately. You're instilling value, of course. You're trying to not have monsters, despite the fact that uh, Father has put himself in an enormous debt with the house that he built. (laughs) Is that true? Yeah. And and clearly is incapable of allocating his or, uh, his own resources wisely. That's so funny. You need to learn. I just got a glimpse of you in This Is Forty as the financial <laughs> advisor, like talking to yourself, like, "Well, you shouldn't have built that house." Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Michael Ian Black type. But I was I didn't know how to do that when I was there. I was very uncomfortable. Really? Oh yeah. Subsequently, Judd has never hired me again for anything. I mean, maybe. you were great in that and that that's that i mean there was train wreck uh that was his most recent judd written movie yeah i mean what else can he ask for Mm. (laughs) more yeah more (laughs) we need more look i'm scared all the time i think that's really interesting i mean uh as a confident person to uh, it doesn't surprise me though we all have something kind of uh shaky inside and that's why we're funny wouldn't you say sure sometimes i notice if i'm but i think but yeah but i think everybody has that it's just the comedians communicate it right and but you communicate it in in an interesting way often being high status do you find an expression for your low status feelings as well i mean it seems so i mean my when you say i'm high status the i mean the entirety of my comedy comes from feeling low low status right and and trying and puffery, which means you're high status, low status. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Well, it's like Chaplin. <laughs> sure, I'm he like Chaplin. High status Thank hobo. you. Thank you. I'm like Chaplin. You're yes. an inner hobo. You know, let's stop. Like you're like Chaplin. Let's stop there. Thank you. That's very kind. Thank you. <laughs> I just mean you. No, no, we don't need to explain it to me. We all know what you meant, and thank you. I'm taking the compliment. Thank you. Well, what are you an anxious person? In some ways, I'm very anxious. In some ways, I'm not. Uh, I'm very anxious. I, I, I tell myself two different stories, and they're competing stories, and they exist on parallel tracks at all times. One is, you're fine. You've been fine. Your life is good. The other is, y- your career is a train wreck. It's in the toilet. You're a disaster, and everybody hates you. And those stories occur simultaneously in real time every moment of every day. And are you resentful and also aware that those keep you running? Do those keep you... Is there a positive side to these two negative I used positive? to think so. I used to think the negative... Now you'd like to get rid of them. I'd like to get rid of the negative. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know how. And whatever success I've had professionally uh, feels meager at best. And, hmm. it, and it... I You know, 
I'm, I'm, well, you're catching me at a time when I'm feeling rather low about myself. I understand. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm working on it. Right. I think that it, we, do you feel seasonal? I feel very seasonal. Uh, I feel, I would, I would call it for me, it's more biorhythmic and it, it's just my own shit that I deal with. Right. It's not, it's not affected by the seasons. But when you, I, I don't even mean literally the season. I feel well, that's like that's what I, it means. <laughs> because there is seasonal affective disorder. Yes. I didn't mean uh, sad. I meant uh, I'm sad. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean that I find that there's these times when I'm up, I, I feel it because I'm so excited that I'm not down. And, mm. the, and it's those times that I can be very funny and productive. Something I remember saying on the show was like, I make plans when I'm up and I follow through with them when I'm down. Mm, that's interesting. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Like when I'm like, oh, I'm, everything's fine and that track is winning. I make the plan and then sometimes I go in and I'm just kind of like – like I was saying the first week of shooting, I was just really low. Like it had mm. nothing to do really with circumstance. But I was like, what the fuck is going on? Maybe kind of similar to what you're feeling now where you're just like, ah. Yeah. Ah, not really a thought, just like a blah. Yeah. And then- I mean, I know. I mean, there's I, 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 there's very specific circumstances for me feeling like this right now. Um, Is it still mom stuff? Uh, it might be partially. Probably. Yeah. I, I don't mean to. What, no. I'm not a doctor. I'm just saying six weeks. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's. Probably. I didn't need uh, to answer. What were you going to say before? I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to give you the specifics, no. but <laughs> there are specific things that are sort of making me feel low, and uh, all of which is totally uh, predictable stuff that occurs in all of our careers. Right. You know. Okay. So it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's like twenty questions. I'm not even trying. To, this isn't a salacious podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really isn't. <laughs> It could be more salacious. For I my am tastes. masturbating. <laughs> Remember, I am still whacking at my flaccid. But penis. so yeah, so flaccid. I guess that that is maybe a lonely feeling, and I don't mean to contribute to it because I'm saying you're Michael Ian Black, and I just I, I envy that you've carved out something that's so clear. And to that, I but say, it's not clear to me. Yeah, that's interesting. It's not. It's never been clear to me. Really? No. Wait, like I like a lot of people watched I Love the Nineties, uh-huh. and I'm this isn't. <laughs> I keep telling you what the show isn't. This isn't morning radio. I'm sorry. Okay. I feel like the guy with your Wikipedia page open, like well, Michael. <laughs> do you really love the '80s? I've never been on a morning <laughs> show where they really. <laughs> no, not like not quite the caricature that you're yeah. portraying. I did turn it up a few. I, yeah, notches. I just wanted you. I just want you to know. I know you're yeah. going back to set. Bathtub prob- in the dam. Yeah. What I'm saying is, just be on camera. You don't need. I want you to just take your own advice. Just. <laughs> Have the bravery. Have the bravery to learn. So, Michael, something. I understand you're playing the comedy castle here. In Detroit. That's exciting. Uh, do you really love the '90s? That's that's my opening oh, question God. here. Fuck. <laughs> um, but when I watch that, you have, and maybe even, I, I understand you're not feeling it, but you have that thing. Well, that where was you a get it. That was a specific thing, and but, I mean, you get you. But I knew coming out of that experience, which was good for me, just sort of people. Yeah, watched it aired the fuck out of that um i knew for me that that thing that i had sort of established and defined on that show was not going to work for me what do and you mean it was very the deadpan aspect of it and the sort of uh was something that i'd been doing my entire life mm. and it started to feel like it started to feel very confining and it started to feel like a prison and I was creating this character and I didn't want to live my life as a character. Interesting. And so that's when I started writing a book uh, and I started opening up my stand-up. Because uh, your stand-up isn't that way. 
No. Well, I hadn't really done stand up actually before that. I'd what? done a tiny bit, but but it, that that's when I started just thinking about well, who do I want to be in the world, and who and uh, as a as a professional, mm-hmm. how do I want to present myself? And the answer was like as a fully formed human being, right. and not as a uh, as an automaton. You don't want to paint yourself into a corner. No. That that that's advice. I love giving young comics is uh, pick your persona wisely. Mm. You know, don't, don't pick one. Like, I feel bad for the guys that are like, I'm always mean. And I'm like, well, you don't always feel like being mean. Right. And, and I like being sweet, but I also like being mean. You're, and so I'm hearing you. So here comes writing and here comes stand up as ways for you to kind of kick the walls out. You're in this narrow place. Yes. Yeah. And you didn't like it. Right. And then you start doing stand up. That must have been interesting. You're established as a sketch person. And then you start. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The first time, what did you do? I remember you and Showalter around the same time. Well, we st- uh, probably a few years later. Well, yeah, around that same time, we were both doing stand up, and we were, we were also doing Stella live. I remember lot. that, and Stella was its own thing, uh, which didn't allow for humanity, which <laughs> <laughs> which I'm, I was fine with. I mean, yes, it, it's just an I absurd wanna... comedic trio. I love, and I. Almost best done, in my opinion, in Wanderlust. I just thought that was the funniest. <laughs> See, you've worked with Jed twice. Uh, right. I forgot he was involved in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I thought that was one of the funniest things. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Thanks. And that's one of the funniest parts. I'd say of thanks. I was, I was shot for half a day. No, I'm, I'm telling not... you it's one of my favorite. But that three-man dynamic, right. not easy, but not quite stand-up either. No. It, 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 no, it wasn't stand-up. Right. It, it, was, it, it, it could be improvisational. Right. And, uh, but it was often scripted. Um, or scripted to a point, right? And then uh, it wasn't it wasn't stand up in the way that you think of stand up. Exactly. I actually take that back. It, it certainly has, especially when you're improvising in front of people. That is stand up, mm-hmm. but you're doing it kind of in your persona, in that right. Stella persona, right? That in that way, when you started doing it on your own, what was that like? Do you remember the first time you were like, "I'm going to do this"? Uh, yeah, because it came directly out of doing the VH1 stuff, and I started getting offers to play like colleges and stuff. This is when Eat Pussies. Yes. I'm going to eat all your pussies. Yes. Because that was 10 years ago for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I knew that I wanted to do stand-up. I'd always wanted to do it. I'm still laughing at eating pussies <laughs> in an orderly. I, I'll get to all of you. <laughs> Sorry. So you you were saying you – I wanted to do it yes. and I felt like, well – it's sort of being thrown at me, so this is the time to jump into it with both feet. So I started. I just started doing it. Right. And 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 unlike most stand-ups, like my, my first shows as a stand-up were full hours. Mm. You know, we I was, call that the Ricky Gervais uh, when you're already known, uh-huh. and then you start doing stand-up. That's essentially what I was doing. And you're drawing. Right. Your name is drawing, and you're learning by headlining. Yeah. Interesting. What was that like? That's got to be terrifying. It was terrifying, um, but the transition wasn't as radical as it may as it probably was for Ricky Gervais because I'd been doing Stella. I'd been right. in front of audiences all my life right. in different capacities, but never in that manner. Right. And so I, th- I think I had a, a toolkit that I could draw from. I just didn't have an act. Did you do improv? No. No, it's not a tiny bit, you know, here you were there. improvising with Stella and I'm yeah. sure you improvise when you act, but now you're on stage and the first time you did stand up, it was an hour. Yeah. Like 1700 people. <laughs> oh, no, you warmed up. You didn't warm up. No, you didn't warm up. No. Let me pop on at Eugene Merman's show. I just want to get ready no. for my 1700 <laughs> one hour. 
I had uh You did eat everyone's pussy that night. That's crazy. Yeah. That is balls. I, I spent like two weeks writing. Shut up. I did. Can you tell the sad current in your brain this story? Uh well <laughs> Because the, this is amazing. But the the, the saving is, grace of it. Yes. The only thing that I think allowed me to do it mentally was that it was booked as a lecture. Ah. Uh, so I felt like... You were on the speaking tour. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it was clearly like a night of stand-up. Right. But I think in, in my mind, like they had said, you don't, you know, it's a, it's a lecture. If you, it's so much, it's, isn't that funny? That little shift mm-hmm. in perception, you're going, it's like what I tell myself when I do an hour. I don't, you don't have to do an hour. You get to go as long as you want. Mm-hmm. That's a shift. And you're going, I'm not doing an hour of stand-up. I'm doing a lecture that's going to be so funny, it will actually become stand-up. But I know that the audience is like, I don't know, maybe he's just going to do a Q&A. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just going to show clips. You could have. A lot I of people have, cash yeah. in that way yeah, by no, going I mean, like, this is one of my favorite state sketches or whatever. No, 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 no. no and didn't you didn't. So you knew you were being better than what was expected, but you set the bar low so you could shine. I set the bar just, just, I, just I need to get through this. I need right. to figure out how to get through this. And it went pretty well. Yes. It wasn't like amazing, but it went well, you know. But that is amazing. To do I know all that all that performance stuff is fine, but <clears> as you know, stand up is just it's just different. Yeah. It's just it's not even just the the soloness of it because you've done things solo, but it's just like there's something immediate about it and very vulnerable about it and you did it. Yeah. And that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'll, I'll, looking back on it, yeah, that's an incredible thing to do. <laughs> Now uh, let's blend that. Uh, you're like Chaplin, and you did something really, and really I'm incredible. Yeah, and you're incredible. We're trying to get that into the negative, <laughs> negative track. We're trying to add some. We can keep the negative track, but we're going to add new songs to it. All right. <laughs> this is we're, we're, this is called fixing Michael. Yeah, yeah. It's not. <laughs> n- and no offense to you, but better, better have tried. I know. <laughs> I'm sure you're doing the work. Do you go to therapy and stuff? I have in the past. I don't know. And, and is that? Have you sworn it off, or is it just no, no, like no? You're uh, not into it right now. I, 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 I I'm also. I love it, and I'm not going right now. I don't feel like I need it right now. Right. I mean, I feel like I have enough sort of tools and coping mechanisms to deal with my own shit, and I take antidepressants, and that helps. Okay, and what are the tools? Uh, that's clearly one of them. Yeah, uh, but what are the other ones? Uh, age, maturity, knowing that I've been through these things before. Yes, knowing uh, uh, a lot of it is um, when feeling down get my attention off myself and onto other people isn't that interesting i so i was there's no way to tell this little anecdote without seeming a little self-serving but we had a it's not like but it won't feel like the first time you've been self-serving in this interview (laughs) that's the tension release we need that is so good that is the joke not that we deserve but the one that we needed when i was blue the first week of shooting, we shot the scene where there was a, a camera operator who had to walk backwards uh-huh. quite a ways on a, on a steady cam, and he did it maybe 17 times. And the director was really far away, and he didn't know. It was not the director's fault. It was nobody's fault. But I'm with the guy. And you see him dying. And he's dying. He's literally like we pushed him to the end. It wasn't really 17 times, but he couldn't do it anymore. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to give this guy a gift. So the next day I gave it to him. And just that little thing. I wasn't depressed. Hmm. Just that small. This is why dogs help. I have to imagine this is why family and loving your wife and you're loving your kids can help. Something that isn't navel gazing, available now on Amazon, okay. is <laughs> that that takes the focus off of you. It wasn't about Pete going, should I, 
Should I eat an orange? Will an orange help? <laughs> Do I need some sugar? What if I had a cup of coffee? Like, that's such a fucking spiral. Can I just go, this guy worked hard? Private. I just gave it to him. And I, suddenly the rest of the day what I was wasn't it? depressed. It was a bottled scotch. Huh. Hibiki. Japanese scotch. Blended. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Not super fancy, but one of my favorite things. And uh, and he was like, it just meant a lot to him. And then I since then... I, I was on the train platform and a guy was playing something called a handpan, which was it sounded made on the L train, and it sounded like uh, the music from uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out. <laughs> okay, but it just looked like a bowl, and he's playing like. It's like that's amazing, and I'm looking at my wallet. And I'm like, I only have twenties, and I'm like, Pete, you only have twenties because you have money. You're rich. <laughs> <laughs> like, I only have 20s isn't a reason to not give someone money. I only have 20s is a reason to give someone money. Hmm. You only have 20s. <laughs> because it doesn't mean anything to you. You just go, well, that's embarrassing. That's right. literally what you're thinking. Like, that's an embarrassing amount to give. But then, you know, I wait for the train to come so I don't have to deal like mm. with any you sort sneak of... Sneak it in. Sneak it in and get on the train. How much change did you ask for? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I made change. <laughs> I made change real quick, <laughs> but it elevated my mood. That's a great technique. Mm-hmm. So you feel the same way. It's like of if course, I can do something for someone else. Well, I mean, that, that is the human condition. We, you know, we're so wrapped up in ourselves that anytime you're able to be helpful, right. to be a useful engine. You're trapped in yeah. yourself. And then you just remember like, oh, everyone's trapped in themselves. Right. And, and it actually kind of – I got a little emotional on the train thinking about it. I was like, it's so silly that we're not always helping each other all the time. Right. I know that sounds – you want to talk about a stupid magnet. That's kind of a stupid magnet. But it's like it's true. It's absurd that we've well, here's, here's bought into the Well, here's a good example. Uh, coming in here today. Walking up uh, the street yep. on your stoop, the stoop to get in here, uh, as I'm looking for the button to push, was a woman sitting on the street saying, do, do you have, can you spare any change? Michael for me? Black. Right. Uh, and I said, <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. And then I came in. <laughs> the safest. Most welcoming place to tell a self-serving story. And the true comedian says, no, I'm here to entertain and delight, not make people think I'm a good person. It also happens to be true. I'm talking about like helping other people. No, I know. I passed what seemed to be a fight brewing between a very tall man and a small woman selling a table. And I was just like, I'm going to keep walking. It didn't look physical, but I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to Michael Landon this. Highway to Heaven is on Netflix. Michael Landon made a show. He's the EP, he's the director, and the creator. And it's just a show where he magically walks around and calmly solves problems. <laughs> it's it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> you know those shows you have to watch that don't make you think of show business? Mm. Like, they're slow and they're easy and you're not thinking like... I used to love Highway to Heaven. I'm loving it currently. And that's... that's I never crazy. thought of... But you're absolutely right. It's the most self-serving, messianic possible show. Can you imagine pitching? Hilarious. Like, I'm an angel kind of guy. I walk around. <laughs> God is my friend. <laughs> I'm perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and all the shots, he looks glorious. He's directing. <laughs> he set up the shot. 
<laughs> As someone who doesn't direct it, I look at shots and I'm like, God, I look like a piece of shit in the shot. But he's like doing the perfect lighting and stuff. And he's just like, perfect thing to say because I wrote it. And I wrote what you said. Like you have a problem that I know the solution to. You display it and then I solve it. And then I walk into the clouds. Brilliant. Brilliant. He must. Yeah. He feels good about that. Oh, yeah. Is Landon still with us? No. Died years ago. Oh. Probably, probably at least 15 years no ago. No more Landon. No, no, no. That's why you haven't seen him in the last 15 or 20 years. I just thought he took it and ran. Oh, he did. Right to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> he knew the way. <laughs> These jokes are old. These jokes are old, and yet we're still la- he's still giving us joy. <laughs> Michael Landon. And uh, what was it like figuring out the right uh, medication? And what was it like before and after? Uh, well... Uh, there have been studies, many studies, <laughs> that say uh, these these medications may not work any better than a placebo. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you're primed to believe in them, mm-hmm. they will work for you. That's me. And I'm definitely primed to believe in them. You're a believer. But I'm also fully 100% aware that they may not be doing a fucking thing. Right. Um, Nothing negative, though. No, no. Well, what they – what what – what I don't get anymore is a is a is a debilitating sadness. Yes, which I have had in the past when, the, when I've been off them. Why get out of bed, sort of thing? Yeah, it's not. I've never had severe depression where I've been like literally huddled in bed for weeks. Right, but I I, I I've had uh, times where it's been. Uh, I have felt like I've been in a cave. Mm. That's well put. What is it, what does that look like? Uh, it's it's like a little pill. It's about yay big. <laughs> no, not the not, no. What does it look like when you're in the cave? <laughs> Literally, give me the Michael Ian Black depression montage. Uh, we see you eating ice cream. We see you drinking. You see me. Alcohol, you or? see me skulking the streets, <laughs> and uh, and being unable to interact with another human being without uh, some amount. Well, a unable to interact with another human being and B if I am it's with resentment and anger at them yeah kind of I mean everything annoys me everything uh, the bullshit of life just kind of like even just like just a hot today Michael and you're like oh fuck yourself essentially but is it because life is I guess what I don't want to there's no cause that I know of yeah it's just a feeling yeah I feel feel sometimes my depression can feel like and again it's it's mild I, I only say that because I don't want people with real things to think I'm trying to sidle up to their cause. But when I'm feeling blue, it's like this again. You yeah. know what I mean? I got to eat mm-hmm. to keep going. Then I got to <laughs> go somewhere to do a thing. Mm-hmm. I got to make small talk with this motherfucker. This is why I like the bigger questions of life. The, the, I, I understand. I think you're an atheist. Uh, at More least when you did, my, you did my life, yeah. uh, the, the live podcast, and we talked briefly about your atheism. One of the reasons I'm drawn time and time again to God, even though I love talking about atheism, it really lights me up to talk about somebody that really believes hard that, that most likely there isn't a God and all that sort of stuff. But when I'm like, this can't be it. You know what I mean? It's almost like maybe that's my antidepressant. I'm like, it can't be. It has to be some sort of uh, game or there has to be some sort of unseen engine to this. Otherwise, it is just me going like, well, I was horny and I fucked. And then I was hungry and then I ate. And then I was sleepy and I slept. And then I died. <laughs> like I'm like, can it, can it be? 
Can it be so bleak? Can it really be binge watching shit and flying to Denver and trying a new sandwich? And then I go. Wait, are you flying to Denver specifically to try the new sandwich? In which case, it kind of feels worthwhile to me. You got to go to Denver for your Denver airport. You want to eat at the Pan Express at the Denver mm. airport where they proudly have a sign that say, none of our items are vegetarian. That's true. Even their uh, veggie lo mein is Even their steamed in, broccoli. It's beef brains. It's, it's covered in beef brains. That's why it's so good. Who knew? Um, but that's why I, I go again and again to the idea of uh, a mystery. Sure. And, and I'm, I'm not dumb. I don't think atheists – I used to – are just like, no, stupid. But you, what is your appreciation for – or what is your understanding of what's going on here? Uh, I'm a soft atheist. In this, lowercase? Yeah. <laughs> I'm certainly not uh, a strident or even particularly uh, rigorous atheist. <laughs> I don't accept that there's a God in the way that I was uh, raised to, be, to, to, to to understand God. How were you raised? I was raised to understand God as a uh, – as essentially uh, an omnipotent human mm-hmm. who could – interject in the affairs of the day or not or not yes as he saw fit i still get nauseous val my uh fiance and i have some post-trauma from being raised in the church in the same way Hmm. any sort of leanings towards like miracles or like god will stop that or god will cause that really just kind of we have ptsd about it Hmm. we're just kind of like i don't i don't even though i love talking about god looking for god and all that stuff it makes me queasy when i go there's a thing watching going, I will make Michael not depressed today or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. So you have the similar feelings. Right. So that's what that, – that was, that was my understanding of God uh, probably through my – A magic man. Yeah. Through my 20s or 30s or, or whatever. And then I, I have started uh, paying attention more to uh, – Mystical thinkers, spiritual thinkers, religious thinkers, people who talk about this with some greater clarity mm. than I ever had or have. And I am – and also, uh, you know, there's a lot of bleed over into science and cosmology. Um, and I'm I'm drawn to the idea of a, a, a kind of collective universal – consciousness mm-hmm. that is that encompasses all things mm-hmm. um and and the 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 enormity and totality of that uh would be called god mm-hmm. and that we are we are all linked to that thing right uh whatever that thing is whatever's looking out of your eyes right now essentially yeah yeah um, but more to the point, whatever is looking out of everybody's eyes simultaneously. Exactly. At itself. I love it. That's so interesting. Who turned you on to that sort of thinking? I don't know that it was any one person. Um, this podcast? It, 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 well. Me on this podcast? Well. Pete Holmes? Sure. <laughs> sure. In the, way, in the way that Pete Holmes is, uh, is one small Smote of of dust. Yes, in the collective consciousness. Yes, yeah. Pete Holmes <laughs> did this for me. 
no, I think it's just a kind of uh, – I mean I think th- this interpretation I think is a fairly common interpretation. Mm-hmm. But it's something that I had to arrive at and uh, it's not necessarily something I even believe. But it is certainly an idea that I'm drawn to. Mm-hmm. We were just at the beach over the 4th. And I was like thinking about it. I was like, why do we – we love looking at the ocean. Most people like looking at the ocean. That's kind of a agreed upon thing. And I was like, it is just something kind of unfolding naturally. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's quietly obeying an unseen law. You know, there's gravity. There's the moon. There's the rotation of the earth. There's all these things happening that make waves undulate. But there's something very peaceful about watching something that's being operated by an unseen thing. But – doing it perfectly in the way that a flower blossoms or a bee We don't know that it's doing it perfectly. We only know the way that it's doing it. Which is perfect. By definition. There's only one way to do it. Which is perfect. (laughs) And imperfect. I understand what you're saying. It's neither. That's actually beautiful, mystical thinking. It's not right or wrong. It just is. You could just meditate on that and go to a pretty trippy place. (laughs) But I'm also like a very kind of basic but beautiful thinking is – we are – I think we are like waves on the ocean. The wave is part of the ocean and it – some waves are big and some waves are small and some are glorious. Some waves kill people. Some waves take down a seagull. Some waves wash up a, a lost engagement ring. There's all these things happening. And the wave exists. It comes into birth and then it goes and it's glorious. It peaks and then it sizzles into the sand and then it's sucked back into the one the, – the ocean. It was always the ocean. For a time it was a wave. And that, that's a temporary thing, just like our lives, but it doesn't go anywhere. Mm. It'll never be in that construct again. Those molecules will probably never be in that exact assembly again, but it gets sucked back in. It never died. It wasn't born. It was all an illusion. That's what I start thinking when I'm like, fuck, I'm eating a sandwich. I'm like, you're, you're just a wave, and you're having that day that waves have going, fuck a sandwich, and that's fine, and I will sizzle into the sand, and I'll get sucked back in. And we'll go again and again because we're just perfectly or just imperfectly doing what being does. Yeah. This is why. And, and part of that is having a sandwich. Exactly. In Denver. Yeah. And there's an equanimity to that. And it, I think what I like about that understanding of God is there's room for despair. There's room for ugliness. There's room for pain. It's not, oh, the wave. Uh, it's hard to keep the metaphor, but I'm saying like something bad happens and therefore there is no ocean. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I need an understanding of consciousness in the universe that allows for your low feeling today. That isn't like a mistake. Mm -hmm. It's rather something that I always think of you're grinding it out because when you come out on the other side of it, you'll go, I think I understand a little bit more what it means to be, to to be, capital BB. Yeah. I hope. I like all of that. It's... (laughs) I love talking about it. That's why I took it. I was like, allow me to. But that's exciting. What was it like? So, well, what, what's exciting? The, your journey. Oh. Yeah. I could be more clear. What I'm wondering is you. It's exciting to you because it, it moves me closer to you. That, that is fair. My ego, my ego does delight in finding others like me. We that all is, do. We all do. We all do. But my ego also delights in being called on my shit. It's actually something that really makes me happy. So I'm excited for you. You're good. You're excited for you. You should be. I'm excited for me because your path being similar to me makes me feel like I'm on the same There you go. Yeah, there's some honesty. You should co-host this podcast. I have my own. Because what is it called? How to be amazing. I know. I love it. Well, you've had several. You had uh, Eat Snacks. Yeah. I love the title. I love snacks. You had topics. Yeah. I didn't know. And this one's called How to Be Amazing. Yeah. Is it just you? It's an interview show. With you? 
I interview other people. I love it. Yeah. Um, well, I look forward to the invitation. No, no, no. It's amazing people. Ooh. Katy Perry is the guest this week. <clears throat> She's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized as I'm playing, not looking at you, I'm like, this is audio only. Like, I'm <laughs> but doing, I think the joke was clear. I think the joke was clear. You could hear the silence. The dead air worked. Yeah. The dead air carried it. What excites me is to see your journey, literally your journey, because you said in 20s, 30s, we're still thinking of the sky god, the throne sky god, right. who either is or isn't an asshole, mm-hmm. or is, is or sometimes isn't. Sometimes is, sometimes isn't. Right, exactly. Um, it's capricious. But then you lose it, and you, uh, you, you go into atheism, which mm-hmm. is, which is uh, again, a parallel of mine, where you just go like, well, let's see what happens when we get rid of all of this, just right. to see how it feels. And what – do you remember when that was and how that felt to go from a guy that at a party would be like, I do believe in God and then it would be over? Oh, I, I never believed. Never believed? No, 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 no. Oh, you just had an understanding. Yeah, yeah. No, the, ah. my understanding of God was this thing and, you and never, I utterly reject that. As a child? Oh, yeah. Ah, little Michael Ian Black. Yeah, yeah. But I mean I, but I wasn't, really ra- <laughs> I wasn't really raised with religion. I mean it's not like, it's not like somebody was saying – this is what we believe in this household, and I'm like, right. this is bullshit. But when your father dies and, and you're 12, what? It, how how did you process that spiritually? I guess in the big picture, were people comforting you? No, not particularly. Not really. No, dad. I'm not trying to be funny. Dad's dead. Dad's gone. Uh, yeah. I mean, I never had a conversation with anybody hmm. of. Uh, this is your father's spiritual journey from this point forward. Right. But I became very interested in the past life phenomena. I became interested when? in uh, in my probably twenties. Okay. Uh, in uh, many in, lives, it, many masters. Yeah, oh God, yes. <laughs> uh, in uh, in uh, near death experiences. Yes. Astral projection. Mm, uh, as a kid, astral projection. As, as a, kid, a kid, I would try to astral project myself. And never got, I had a book about like... Which one? I don't remember. Journeys called, Beyond the Body? No, I had literally like a book about like... I think it was called like ESP. And it would like... And it had all like... It had every kind of sort of supernatural yeah. phenomena. And I was been, one of those kids yeah. too. I still am one of those kids. I still am too. <laughs> but you would lay in bed and try and leave your body? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you could, I mean, imagine the implications of that. Uh, I wouldn't come back. I could tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to just end it. Just go like, I'm leaving. I'm out. How did Michael die? He left. <laughs> there are stories of yogis and stuff that... that uh, just transcend. That go like, and I'm going to die on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? And they're like, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I love India stories. I think they annoy some people, but they still, it's still in India. Oh, yeah. They have iPhones and everything. It's It's becoming more... Uh, for better or worse, is becoming more technological and stuff. But there's still people that are like, no, I know a guy <laughs> that said I'm going to die on yeah. Thursday. And then we all sat around, we chanted, he breathed three times and he left his body, oh. which is how monks die. They would they would do this very deliberate three-breath thing. Fantastic. And leave dominion over the fr- the most frightening. Fantastic. Mis- right? Yeah. So you still kind of get off on oh. those ideas. Love it. I, are, have you listened to any Ram Dass? No. I uh, don't normally directly recommend it to people, but I think you would love him. He does a lot of Richard Alpert, Tim Leary. You know Tim Leary? Uh, Dr. Timothy Leary? Dr. Timothy Leary. Yeah, sure. So the LSD Harvard years. Richard Alpert was his uh, cohort. Mm -hmm. LSD. He went the spiritual route, comes back to America. He's kind of responsible for a lot of 
probably both of us hearing the ocean metaphor. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he talks a lot about death and tells a lot of interesting anecdotes and perspectives. And one of the things he says, he goes, uh, death is like taking off a tight shoe. Because <laughs> he, he would talk to um, dead people. That was one of the weird th- one of the weirder things he did in the seventies was everybody could talk to like a medium, mm-hmm. and they'd be like, "I'm talking to this guy," and he had a guy that he knew, and he was like, "Death is completely safe," and it's like taking off a tight. Shirt. Well, that's kind of the conclusion I've come to. My that- my self metaphor is slipping into a warm bath. I love it. Mm-hmm. What are the chances? <laughs> I well, mean, no, well, you know, it's an intentional. Saying, it's an intentional slipping. You haven't fallen. <laughs> no. <laughs> what are I the understand. chances? You fall right into a warm bath. <laughs> <laughs> no. What are the chances? Because as I'm saying this, tight, taking off a tight show, I'm like, maybe I've done it. Maybe I've crossed the line, and and Mike isn't going to follow me. And then you say, no, I have a similar. Yeah. Anxiety-reducing, nice perspective on on death. I, I suspect death is very easy. Surrender. Yeah. I think what I, mean, I think what's hard about it is uh, whatever the associated pain is that you're enduring. Right. right. But I think I think death itself is is probably very easy. Everyone does it. Yeah. That's one of the comforts I take. We're, so clearly, we're all born with this ability. We're all good at it. Well, I actually wrote this down, and this brings in my kind of understanding of God. I'm like, de- death is you know closing your eyes. Going away. I know it's ugly. It can be gross and there's drowning in your own fluids and all these horrible things. I understand that. But ultimately, your eyes close and you drift into a place that we don't understand. It could be nothing. This could be anything. I was like, it does seem like strange grace that every night we get to rehearse. You know, Mm -hmm. because you lay down and you Mm -hmm. close your eyes and you go into a place that you don't know. Mm -hmm. Every night of dreams is pretty different. Sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's a heaven. Sometimes it's a hell. But every night we get to practice. And that is a that is the thing that monks do is they go – they actually try to remain conscious while they're sleeping mm. so that there's something watching going, I'm asleep. Well, this is a weird dream, you know, which is something I'm fascinated with. I haven't been able to – Sounds exhausting. That's, that's one of the problems is you have to surrender just going to bed and being like, well – I'm going to bed. This is when I don't think about <laughs> fucking bullshit all goddamn right. day. Right. But uh, they're like, you spend a third of your life sleeping. Why not use it trying to wake up? That's kind of the idea. Right. But uh, are you feeling more clear in your day to day? I mean, you've had some losses in your life, some perspective. You have a family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking at the time. We could. <laughs> are you feeling okay? Yeah. What was I doing? You just yawned, and I was like, am I, I didn't yawn. Uh, am I pushing was, him too far? No, no. I was readjusting the my my uh, buttocks were, oh, buttocks were feeling a little sore, so I just readjusted. Which rem- <laughs> which reminds me, you also find out about this blood clot thing. A lot of mysticism is making peace with the idea that you could die at any uh-huh. moment. When I, I I've been saying this a lot lately, something that snaps me into the moment during this podcast is I go, one day Michael and myself will be dead. And there'll be this recording. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, or there won't be this recording. Right. It'll burn down in the Well, inter- I, I've, yeah. I've entirely given up the notion of uh, having any desire to leave anything behind. Is that right? I don't – other than uh, – I love the 80s. The, <laughs> uh, well, that was, that was understood. My work on I love the 80s. And uh, whatever relationship my children had with me. Yes. But the rest of it, I, I could give a shit about. That's interesting because then why then the – so it's not legacy that's bumming you out. Oh, no. It's, not particularly. It's just my own sense of uh, fulfillment. You're happier when you're, when you're working and, and I'm, ringing the bell. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. But you're not like I need to be remembered. Oh fuck no! That's great. Not even a little bit. So you're you're ready to slip into the tub anytime, <laughs> anytime. <laughs> Hoping for it, in fact. Ah, Praying ah, for death. I mean, I'm in a good place with it. You know what I mean? I'm in a good yes, place. I get I'm it. in a good place praying for death. <laughs> it's not the bad praying for death. No. But that's the goal. The goal is to go any moment because it's a game. One of the reasons we're sad is because we're clinging. Yeah. Brass on the Titanic style. And one of the ways to peace is to go, it's all <laughs> what? I started, I started trying out this thing in my set, like opening with, uh, hey, great to be here. Wouldn't it be great to be dead? <laughs> wouldn't it just be great wouldn't it be great <laughs> love sacramento i love being here i love your i ate at your whatever place this is but god being dead that would be fantastic would <laughs> nobody enjoyed that really nobody enjoyed that <clears throat> i'm gonna insist you do it again i mean i'll try it again it's so good <laughs> i used to i had a bit i don't do anymore where i go what if we are dead mm what a relief it would be if I, you know how in sometimes in TV you look behind you and there's a dead Michael Ian Black on the floor, yeah, and they're like, and I come in like an angel and go, Michael, mm. you're you're gone. Right. What a relief. Oh, the best. It's done, <laughs> and you're like, oh, and there is a thing, and, and it's okay, and everything's shiny or whatever it is. And cool, I can fly or whatever it might be. Well, the thing is, like, uh, if you think about what heaven could be or an ideal afterlife. In many ways, it would be exactly like this because you would not enjoy that's it. or be able to live. Do you listen to Alan Watts at all? Because that's, no. that's an Alan Watts and it's amazing. But you wouldn't be able to live in, in like a stultifying, yep. endless Orgy. boredom. You can't just be coming. That's his whole thing is he, we want to live in a world where there's winning but no losing. Right. And that's one of the things I try to think of when I'm suffering. But when I'm suffering, I can't hear it. Right. You know what I mean? You're just right. like, of course. That's the nature of suffering. And you're going to say that to somebody in fucking Raqqa, Syria? Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. That, and that is one of the biggest things. You don't, we don't say these things when we're down. We say these things when we have perspective on when we were down. And then we can kind of understand that we can't live. I sometimes think about this world and I'm like, it's just big enough and just complex enough to kind of be interesting to this many billion people. Mm. <laughs> there's so many, there's so much diversity and so much happening. And even just the earth itself is just big enough that you're kind of like, I could never go to, I could never go to the North Pole or whatever it is. <laughs> Meaning Alan wants his thing, uh, which you just articulated perfectly is that we can't, if you could have anything and do anything. And he's like, I think after a certain point you would find yourself, you, Michael, here on this podcast, feeling blue, talking to me. Yeah, probably. Because that's all we've figured out so far. I mean, we, the big we, have figured out so far, not just to pass the time, but to do the work. Right. <laughs> well, that ultimately, that's, 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 I think, why we're here. It's what we've got. Right. It's what we're doing. Yeah, just we're, doing the work. We're here suffering, mm -hmm. crying, coming, getting married, opening presents, dying, uh, worrying about blood clots. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I'm good with all of it. That's amazing. Um, that's the one track. The other track is you got Your career's in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems to me that you you've done all this. This is all without any 
meditating or anything? I mean, you sound like a meditating person, which is the best compliment because you don't want to be a meditator. You want to be a free person. But you uh, seem pretty free. In some ways, but and uh, there, like I said, there's yeah, two tracks. Track. Can the other track appreciate that it's just it its existence is just part of the joke? Sure. <laughs> it doesn't help. It doesn't help the other track, right? Because it's the so others, real. The other track is like, oh, I'm the big, I'm the big fucking joke now. Right. I'm the big fucking joke. Okay. Right. Okay, asshole. I'm the big fucking joke. But see, that's the only way it can be compelling. If we could put that candle out with our wet fingers so easily, mm. I don't know what would be doing. I guess. Because I look at like, even if you could be like an enlightened person, it's kind of like, then what? It's more like, it is about losing our temper and not giving the homeless person money or giving the guy money or whatever it is. This is the, the other thing that the dead guy told Ramdas is he, he goes, it sounds like something you would say. This is why I think you would like him. He goes, what am I doing here? What is this? Like, I, I don't belong here. Like, I'm kind of like above this in a, in a nice way. That's what the dead guy was saying? No, that's what Ram Dass oh, said. Uh-huh. He's like, I don't understand. There was a mistake. I, I, I don't really belong with these people. <laughs> and the dead guy, supposedly, uh, I just throw that in for the skeptics, supposedly, said, uh, Ram Dass, you're in school. Try taking the curriculum. Hmm. And that, that's, again, when I was blue, you couldn't have told me that. I couldn't have heard that. But now looking back to a specific ride on a specific subway when I was just like, I should be the happiest boy and I'm, I'm the saddest boy. Now I can go back and go, how interesting. Having your own show and going in for the first day doesn't feel like what you thought it was. We've learned something. You thought it would feel like this. Right. It actually feels like this. How interesting. As opposed to you thought your birthday was going to be great. And then for some reason there was too many cakes and too many pinatas and you got overwhelmed <laughs> and you cried. More, better story. More was learned. We don't tell the stories about the good birthday parties and I wouldn't be talking about the good first week I had. Everything's been great since then. And that first week turned out well. But I was blue. Uh, I, guess, I guess we're just circling. I like making the point over and over because it's a comforting point. Right. Also, tape is cheap. I mean, you can just keep recording. <laughs> it's just digital. I mean, who cares? Who cares? Um, how how is it that you're still you're a married show business person? I, I think that's incredible. I mean, how am I still married? Yeah. Well, I, one of the things I did is time. I don't live in California. I don't live in Hollywood. You don't live in what is that? What do you mean by that? Shallow, vapid? No. Uh, but uh, well, yes, <laughs> but not in the way that necessarily people think. Mm. I think there's a there's a uh, I think there's a stereotype that I don't think think is entirely accurate about uh, Hollywood. Um, there is a shallowness and a vapidity. Mm. I'll allow it. Uh, <laughs> that exists, but it, but it, but it's not because people are dumb. It's because people are trying to make money at all times, and so all of all, all of that uh, energy goes to uh, weekend box office totals and what director is up and who's the hot DP and all this <laughs> shit. Just uh, the phrase hot DP kind of made me feel a little <laughs> Who's the hot DP? Ooh, okay. I've never said those, that particular combination. <laughs> it didn't of sound right coming out of it. It felt great to say comedically. Mm-hmm. Who's the hot DP? But there's a focus on not just yourselves, but how much money ourselves it's, have. <laughs> yeah. And how am I ranking against every other person at this barbecue right the status, now? Status. Yeah. And I couldn't, it was, it, it, uh, it's just too suffocating for me. And I think that. That level of status measuring, I couldn't endure, mm. and I don't know that uh, 
a lot of relationships can endure that. Mm. So that so because I, you become a can of Coke and your wife is married to a can of Coke that's wondering if RC is right around the corner. Because I think it just genetically changes you in ways that um, hmm. aren't aren't necessarily healthy to self love or loving other people. Mm. I'm sure there's many 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 people in LA who have great relationships, and I don't know that I could be one because it suffocates you. Yeah. I find it suffocating. So you I find the weather a, suffocating. Really? Yeah. Just the un, the unending nice day. Yeah. It, you do lose time. I I, I lose I lose sense of just se- self. Yeah. Like I just need <laughs> I need seasons. Right. Uh, speaking of seasonal affective disorder, it yeah. does affect me, but in the opposite way, I guess. Right. Um, you have seasonal. Uh, you do have seasonal affected. Yeah, but the disorder. season I'm looking for is. Winter. winter and fall and spring. <laughs> it is a wonderful thing to experience. Uh, so I just can't live there. I, I hear that. Nor do I want to, nor do I want to raise kids there. But you made it – see, that's a deliberate choice. It wasn't just like I like Connecticut. You were like, I'm going to try and be – Oh, yeah. Because I look at show business. I, I said this many times. So I'll keep it brief. At like the Lord of the Rings ring, if you just harp on it, you turn into a golem. Mm-hmm. And, and you just end up in a cave with money you can't spend. And yeah. Virgins you can't have sex with and you just <laughs> – And so you're going – and I, I fight this fight too. I don't do stand-up as often as I could because – it gets me high, mm. and then I go home, and then uh, watching uh, The Prophet with Valerie doesn't make sense mm. as much. Or going on a walk with Valerie. It doesn't have to be something stupid like watching TV. But, like, you just kind of get, like, juiced, mm-hmm. <laughs> really juiced. And that addiction can make other things in your life, which are vibrant, seem a little bit duller if you let if you let the golem in a little bit. So you said, I'm not going to do it. Uh, yeah, I, I removed myself from that and knew when I was doing it that I knew two things. One, it might not work and I may have to return here just for logistical reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two, that I was almost certainly going to suffer in some capacity professionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first has not proven to be true. I've been able to stay out of there for the last 20 years. The second has almost certainly been true. The sacrifice. Yeah, the, the sacrifice. And I don't care. <laughs> but that was part of it. You know, you, 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 have to, you have to get to the point where you're like, that's what's, real, that's what's real, more important to me? Yes, that's real dad shit. That's real husband shit, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but it, it, it's absolutely those two things. But it's also real just human, human. shit. Yeah. Like what, where are my priorities? Right. And the priority – I mean – you're chasing this thing for what? What ultimately are you looking for? Yeah. And it's happiness. Uh, that's why you're chasing the money. It's why you're chasing uh, the, the, the success. I don't even want to say the fame, but that sort of comes along with it. I right. don't feel like I was ever chasing fame. Um, but all of it is to, to sort of feel happy on right. some level. So if I know I can sort of circumvent all of that and be happy by literally just – or happier. Doing But that. just changing my, my geographic circumstances, why wouldn't I do that? Right. Right. Uh, and I would. Right. And you did. And I did. This is why I love Wanderlust. It, mm. it's, it's that idea that right. Val and I always talk about the farm dream of just being like – and Chappelle has it and Zach has it. Galifianakis has it. Like I'm going to live on a farm like yeah. the rest of the time. Because you're answering a very interesting question. We do this to be happy and then it's like when? Right. <laughs> and I have been happier in Connecticut than I ever would be in LA. I love it. Uh, so not to say I won't live in LA at some point. I may. I may right. have to. Right. And that's okay. Um, but certainly these years when I was raising my kids especially, mm. I'm very glad that I'm not there. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, now I, this is just like two guys talking. It's not even a podcast anymore. How long does it take to get to the Manhattan? That's, that's what everybody <laughs> wants to know. I just want to know how long does it take in this house? I budgeted myself today two hours, but it took me far less time. Oh, really? Yeah. But you allow for two hours. I allow for two hours usually. And but I knew it, on a Saturday it wouldn't, it wouldn't take that long. Some of the, the New Yorker cartoonists would do what you did. I think they live around where you – and I would see them. And it, they seem to make it sound like it was nice, like a romantic kind of train ride. Oh, yeah. I drive in. Oh, you drive? Uh, but it's romantic. It's a romantic car ride. Yeah. But I, you know, I make it romantic. I, I, I light incense. I, you know, I, I, I make it, I make it special. <laughs> and then the secret. Sprinkle rose petals on the car seat. <laughs> Recline just a little bit too much. Uh, no pants, I'm guessing. You, uh, and then your wife, what does she do? She's an interior designer. Okay. And that's a fairly, I, not flexible, but in the way it's movable. It's you movable, know, it can yeah. move with you. Yeah, although it's, it's hard to move a client base. Right. Uh, but there's mild fluidity. Yes, mild fluidity. I'm, I'm just looking for the secrets of like, like literally, unfortunately, I look at how you do it. few examples. You, you make a choice and you do it. You just, and then you figure it out. You lock in. Yeah. And that's, that, what, that's what I did. That's what uh, George Harrison's wife said. How, uh-huh. do you, how do you, what's the secret to a long marriage? And she goes, don't get divorced. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> Essentially, that's I think that's right. And what kind of wife do you have? Does she white? She's white. <laughs> what I'm saying, I was just is, more comfortable with that. Oh you know, I just God. felt like this is what <laughs> okay. I know. You know, this is what I know. You didn't branch out. No, I just stuck with white. Uh, what I'm wondering, though, the real question was: Does she like? Is she the Val coddles me? She's very oh, soothing. Fuck, no, not that. Oh. Very soothing girl. You're not with a soothing lady. You're no. With a, 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 first of all, a pushover. That's what we know about her. Yeah. Well, she's a pushover to the kids. Right. Not to me. She's hard with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brutal with me. <laughs> and you like this? No. <laughs> I've told her repeatedly over the 18 years of our marriage, like, I need you to be a little nicer to me. Really? Yeah. That's the issue. Yeah. Just, just like, be, be a little, little nicer? nicer. Just like... <laughs> Like a hug once in a while would be nice. Oh, not very affectionate either. She can be. Mean and withholding. Oh, a shrew. (laughs) What a shrew. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. Um, But what is the dynamic that works, I suppose? Uh, Well, we share a lot. (laughs) Tolerance? Yeah, tolerance. (laughs) You share? What do you mean? I mean, I think we... I think we... The way I uh, uh, look at it, uh, and I think I've written about it, is we are imperfect people uh, with our own uh, edges mm-hmm. that fit pretty well together as jigsaw puzzle pieces. Oh, okay. So you have your imperfections, but it works. It clicks. Yeah, I think. I think that. That I think our 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 uh, mishigas is complementary. Is that Yiddish? Yeah, that's Yiddish. Yiddish. Yeah, I believe it's Mishikash. Say it for me. Mishikash. Mishikash. Yeah. <laughs> you think the emphasis is on the last syllable? It's in the middle. You actually stop speaking in the middle. Oh. <laughs> you, you just breathe. You fade out completely. <laughs> and then hit the H at the end. Huh. Um, and how did you find this uh, Mishikash? Uh, uh, we worked together on the state. Is that right? Mm-hmm. There was, I, it, it was uh, – she was a producer's assistant and then she worked in wardrobe and uh, we started dating. and Wardrobe flirting. Classic. More producer assistant flirting. Oh, okay. Was she your assistant? No, no, no. 
Okay. That would have been inappropriate, Pete. It would have been salacious. <laughs> <laughs> and then, it was still inappropriate I, by, by today's standards. And then having children, how does that mix into – I get – the big question is we are kind of grown children because we're in we – wa- we go watch me dive professionally. Uh-huh. That's sure. what we do for a living. Right. And then you have these beings that actually want you to watch them dive. Uh-huh. And how did you find that? The day they're born, was there the shift? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's a dishonesty with people, in particular with men, yes. about talking about how this little bundle of joy comes into your life and everything changes. Uh-huh. It changed for the worse, absolutely. It was horrible. And I didn't love them when they came out. But why would you? I don't know. Pheromones? Little, <laughs> I didn't have it. Little hair? I was like, fuck, what is this? You know? <laughs> But I trusted that I would grow to love them. Interesting. Again, these are things you're doing the good comedy thing. These are the thoughts that everyone has that I, a lot of people have, I imagine. But we yeah. get a lot of people going like, oh, I love this thing. It was a miracle and, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Fuck you. It was horrible. It was horrible for us. <laughs> Sleeping? You mean no, horrible. no sleep? Horrible. Our kids, both of our kids were uh, colicky, so they they cried all the time, and we didn't really have help, and Mm. uh, we were fighting all the time because we were exhausted and resentful of each other, Mm. and, uh, you know, it it took a lot to get through all that. Mm -hmm. And how long did that last? With each kid, it lasted about four months. That's crazy, though. Uh, That's a long time. (laughs) But but, but that was just to make it like, like... Like, we were still being tortured after that, but it was less torture. The torture was a little gentler. When they were smacking the heels of our feet, you know, it was just a little less. We'd get fed gruel twice a week instead of once. And then gradually, you know, things got better and better. And when does that happen? I have to imagine around four? No, for us, it happened – it has been on an upward slope since – the colic stopped. Like it's only gotten better. Yes. It's only been – it's been great. And did it get easier with number two? No, because we – even though we knew like the colic would stop, we still had number one to deal with while all that was going right. on. Now this guy has to learn that there's a baby. Well, not even that. Just that we still have to take care of this fucking thing. <laughs> like now there's two of them and this asshole is still shitting his diaper. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> With this tiny asshole. This tiny little asshole. Making these large shits. Ugh. How is he doing these large shits? So, yeah. I mean, I just feel like people have different experiences of parenthood, but nobody talks about that experience. Yes. Of the, of the like, this fucking sucks experience. And this, this is a leading question, so for, f- feel free to swat it away. But I always want to – my concern, because I'm a baby, is that I will have a baby and then I'll feel sad that Valerie loves the baby more than me. Yeah, I've heard people express that before. You didn't feel that? I never worried about that. Yeah. That, that, that thought never occurred to I me. I talked to Bill Burr about it. He's like, no, it should be about the baby. It's going to be about you. Have some outside of yourself that you give a fuck about. Like, it, it was great. Like, he was like, yeah, she doesn't give a shit about me anymore. And that's how it should be. She didn't give me a glass of milk. Get the kid a fucking glass of it. It was really nice. And I don't have guys that are, like, debilitated by it. But I am aware that that's something that can happen. Again, because I don't have... Like the hard ass uh, partner, I have somebody that is like, you know, very sweet. And then I'm like, the baby, we need to figure out. The other thing is, my mom so clearly favored me over my dad. Mm. That's probably where the fear comes from. Is he was just 
our employee. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. And you, I think you, you almost by definition will experience that. You have to. A little bit. You have to. I want to be Burr about it, though. I want to yeah, be yeah, you yeah. about it. I want to be like, that's normal. Well, I wasn't like it at the time. Could what you? was it like at the time? I, I was, I said, we were resent, resentful of each other. Right. And, uh, anything she wanted me to do, I'd be like, fuck, fuck you, do it yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm still like that to a certain extent. I assumed she was resentful of any time you would like go out. Well, that was a big part. Like on the road. Oh, no, or... it was, I was on, both of our kids, when both of our kids were uh, born, I was on a, a, a TV show. And so she would be pissed because I, I would be going to, a work, to work at a job that I liked and there'd be a trailer <laughs> And there might be hours where I'm not needed and I could just sleep. Yeah. But I had to be there. Yeah. But you'd be so fucking pissed. Of course. I can – it takes no more words for me mm-hmm. to completely understand that situation. <laughs> it's not even a nice trailer. But there's Venetian blinds and a couch. There, well, <laughs> what, it, what, what made the trailer nice was its lack of having a baby in it. That's it. That's it. And that was it. A new appreciation for all spaces that don't have babies. That's right. And <laughs> That's an enormous him. appreciation for being on a plane when somebody's baby is crying. Yeah. That the bit, that becomes like a lullaby to you because you don't have to deal with it. Wow. You're like, oh. Another shift in perception. Yeah. You go, That's not my baby. I love <laughs> watching this fucking charade. So much Schadenfreude. <laughs> so much. I love it. <laughs> Again with your vote, Cam. Jesus Christ. Um, well, let's. Uh, I'm feeling satisfied. Great. Oh, I saw you in a Ninja Turtles documentary. Did you dress up as a Ninja Turtle? Uh, yeah, it was my. I, le- I dropped out of college to become a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> me and Ben Grant, Robert Ben Grant. Excuse me. Oh, please. <laughs> uh, what What was going on there? Because you have this. I don't know if you saw that documentary no. that you're in. You have like one quote, and oh. you're in the trailer. So I'm like, oh, I'll watch this. I was interested that you were in it. And I'm like, oh, it'll be like funny people talking about Ninja Turtles. It's not. It's just like a very – it's like reading a Wikipedia page that moves. Huh. But I liked it because I like Ninja Turtles. And uh, the one thing you say is we're up there playing in like South America or something and you felt so sad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. What were you doing? You're wearing the suit. We're wearing the suit. We're like just south of the border in like Juarez or something. And there's we're promoting the stage show that's going to be in town, like just across the border in like El Paso or something. And word had gotten out that the turtles were going to show up at like this ice cream shop and thousands of kids came. <laughs> Not knowing it was just you. It was just us <laughs> standing on our, and we couldn't. Which one were you? Usually Raphael. Sometimes Michelangelo. Perfect. It made no difference. But you're a Raphael. Oh, clearly. Now I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so the, the, we couldn't do the event as scheduled, which was we would be in this ice cream shop and kids would come and get their pictures taken because there were so many kids. Yes. So we had to go up to the roof and like dance. Like Beatlemania. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> dance for these thousands of kids, none of whom could afford to go to the actual show. <laughs> and so they were – seeing as the, the, the terrible, terrible facsimile, which was me in a stinky fucking turtle costume. <laughs> and they're waiting for something to happen. Yeah. And nothing happened. I mean... You kind of dance around. I kind of dance around. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're in there like... <sighs> Yeah, and you're like, I guess I could shake my behind. Well, I did that five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, what would happen is one of us would be. In the, these were the costumes from the movie. You were wearing the costume from the movie. Yeah, because they had ordered. They had costumes for the dancers on the stage show, but they hadn't. They hadn't. They didn't have ones for us, <laughs> the promotional turtles. 
<laughs> they had the ones from the movies. And the heads were loaded term. with servos and electronics. <gasps> and they weighed so much. Oh and my God. all the weight would rest on the bridge of your nose. Oh, and no. So one, one person, Ben, usually, would be operating the animatronics and talking into a microphone. Because he, he, he did a much better turtle than I did. He his cowabungas uh, were much better. <laughs> so he'd be sort of off to the side, and I'd be sort of physically... He'd be operating your face? Yeah, he'd be operating my face off to the side. <laughs> he wouldn't be in a costume. He would just so be the man could, behind the curtain. He could pick and choose when you smile, that full creepy turtle smile. That's right. So the full... <laughs> and inside... It's 105 degrees, and there's 40 pounds resting on my nose, and I'm dying. But unlike a Disney employee, someone else can force you to smile. That's like right. You don't have to force yourself to smile. Which is great. In that respect, it's great. But you're mic'd? Um, uh, he's mic'd. Oh. So he would say cowabunga for you? Yes. So you're just a shell of a man. I'm. Thank you. A shell of a man. <laughs> But it was a bummer because you're... It was a bummer because... You're promoting a stage show that these they kids... They can't, can't afford to go to. And it's like Santa Claus, but you have to pay to see Santa Claus. And you're like, well, at least you can kind of watch him on a roof. Yeah, you can watch Santa on a roof, but not it... give you presents. <laughs> 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 but it's a way bigger deal because Ninja Turtles are so huge. 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 Wow. And that you dropped out of college to do this? Well, I took a semester off and then never returned. Wow. I love it. Are you going to... Uh, Am I going to get my degree? I mean, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> at this point, it just seems... Are you going to insist your kids go to college or do you, are you going to be a cool dad that's like, I just want you to be able to do something? Well, I don't mean to say we're definitely uncool. pushing our kids towards college. Yeah. If one of them were to come to us and say, I really don't want to go to college, I'd be like, great. Because dad, cause dad a has a 529... <laughs> account that doesn't have enough money for college but could buy something pretty fucking awesome i could buy a volkswagen beetle yeah <laughs> that's what i think is awesome <laughs> well let's um let's i had to ask you about that let me just look at this blah 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 everything we got it you still playing cards not really really you don't have some weird game no i wish i did i don't i don't do you want to play now no Ten eight off two. Okay, so that's what you have. That's what I have. Yeah. What's the flop? Well, I, yeah. Oh, you don't know what I have. Well, let's see what you have. I mean, don't tell me. Okay, I'm gonna look. All right. It's not great. Okay, what's the flop? The flop is uh, eight of spades. Oh, <laughs> I didn't tell you your suits, by the way. You said off suits, so it doesn't really matter doesn't what the really spade, what the what the suits are. Oh yeah, is that true? I mean, it, it we makes, can just put it out of our mind unless we it's can, all spades. Yes, something. in which case. Yeah. I know I don't have the eight of spades. Right. But I might have the ten of spades. But you just – wait, what do you have? I have a ten-eight off suit. I mean – You just paired. I know. That's why I was excited. <laughs> you didn't know I paired? You're the one who gave me the ten-eight off suit. Look, I'm not giving you anything. <laughs> the cards are coming to me psychically. Uh, Jack. Yeah. Of diamonds. And uh, the ace of diamonds. Oh, I'm all in. <laughs> why? I don't know. I have a pair <laughs> – I have a backdoor straight draw. Who knows? But I, I have. I'm going to turn over. You told me you're was... all in, and I'm all in too. So I'll show you. I have a jack too. Uh, so you're. But here comes the the turn. It's an eight. Oh, I'm feeling great. Yeah, but you're already all in, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, but I'm feeling very good about my hand right now. 
I'm going to turn it over to Jack. But <laughs> but I forgot to burn, so that was a mistake. I turned it over to another Jack. Jack yeah. <laughs> I knew. I knew. I knew. I knew where this hand was going. Uh, it's funny because that's another unique thing about you is that you are a comedian who can play cards. You're not a people pleasing. There has to be something a little bit enjoying the game of civility, enjoying the game of uh, at, at a card table. I think so. Oh, I don't. If I play cards, first of all, I don't play with friends. Right. That's what I'm saying is you have that gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some comedians I can't imagine playing cards because we're bumbling goofuses that just want to no, be no, like, no, I no. want everyone to have fun. But you, oh, I can no. see you go. It's the same dad that goes, you can't have the fucking gummy sharks. Oh, goes, yeah. I hope you think I only have. Of course. Yeah. I'm not there to lose. <laughs> And I'm, but and I'm funny, not there to make you feel better about your bad life decisions, the same bad life decisions that put both of us at this table at the same time. We're equally ill-equipped to deal with life. So one of us is going to have money walking away from here, and one of us is not. And I'd rather it be me. <laughs> I just – I do play – to make other people feel good, like I, I, I don't count money; I count friends. At the oh, end of the, oh. at the end of the day, I'm like, well, if I show up at the Commerce Casino at <laughs> seven thirty on a Wednesday afternoon, you play in casinos? Yeah, that's all. I that's the only place I play because you don't play with friends. I don't play with friends. You just go. Doesn't the rake make it impossible to win money at a casino? No, 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 no. No, really? No, no. Depends if you, it depends what stakes you're playing. If you play high right. enough stakes, I don't it's play okay. huge stakes. Right. Yeah, it's, but it's you fun. play high enough to make. And I don't, I don't, I don't play that much. I'm not trying to make my living at it. And so if I if 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 I lose what twenty dollars from the rake, but I'm right. walking away with, I'm either walking away broke, which happens a lot, <laughs> or I'm walking away with like let's say six hundred dollars or something. Right. That twenty dollars is going to make that much of a difference one way matter. or the other. It does the does the hey aren't you Michael Ian Black factor <sighs> change it? Yes, but. <laughs> Because that's the worst place to be recognized. Because then they're going to chum you up. And- no, because, it, because it's such a degenerate activity. Because it's like being recognized at a fucking golden corral or something. I thought it's poker like, got a facelift. I thought we all liked it now. Well. It still smells like cigarettes yeah, and it's uh, gross. <laughs> oh, I mean, and the place that I play is like, it's a little better than a Walmart. I mean, it's, that's really what it's like. And uh, that's the last place I want to be recognized. But you like, I'm going to guess that you like it because there's, there's hard and fast rules. Yeah, there's structure. I like it because I don't have to talk to anybody. You and like, I don't talk to anybody. Are I, you an earphone ha- hat? No, guy? I find that I can't play as well when I'm listening to music. So I, uh, I just sit there. I go into a trance, cocoon, yes, of self, and it's just it's calming for me. It's meditative. Yes, even tact- tactilely speaking. Yes, the cards sliding, the chips, into your the hand cards, the, chips, the whole thing, and the vibe, the whole thing. I lo- I've it's, always it's, loved- it's anonymous. It's an it's a place to be anonymous. Yeah. So and when it, you get recognized, that's a real bummer. It ruins everything. It doesn't ruin everything. It doesn't ruin everything. But, but yeah, once once somebody goes, aren't you? And then the other people at your table are looking at you. Uh, and they want, and then they want to have a conversation or not. Just, just it changes yeah. the dynamic at the table in the an uncomfortable way. Yes, yeah. I love being in sound booths, like voiceover, and mm. even in this room. And there's something about the felt of the table that feels. This soft table does and, not have felt. I know, but the felt of a poker table. Oh, that feels dampening. Yes, and quiet. Yeah, and I, I totally know what you mean. It makes me want to not play cards, but watch the movie rounders. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I, I knew you were kidding. It just wasn't funny. 
<laughs> I have to go. I have a brunch. Are you I sure? I scheduled a brunch. Are you sure you're not for five sure minutes who you are at noon? Oh, thank you for allowing two hours, as I asked. That's what you asked. I had originally made it at noon, thinking this would probably be an hour. And then I said, oh, I need to make it at one. There you go. That's why I'm clear. Um, speed round. Okay. You just First thing that comes to mind. Greatest lesson you've learned about comedy. Uh, or one of the great lessons you've learned about comedy. Well, it's, it's, the, it's that old Bill Hicks rules thing that uh, the only person that you can be is yourself. Yeah. Uh, so be that person. Supply and demand. Great quote. Uh, writing? Uh, learn, learn uh, give yourself permission to write badly. Love it. Acting? Listen. Yeah, okay. Ah, great. Sorry, I wasn't listening as you said listen. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I was going to give you permission because you talked a lot about um, collaborating. You've done a lot of collaborating. Uh-huh. Uh, trust that everybody has the project's best intentions at heart. Uh, marriage? Same answer. Listen. <laughs> really? Um, persona. Great lesson you've learned about persona. Uh, uh, make your, uh, your person and your persona mesh. Love it. And sketch. Uh, great lesson you've learned about sketch specifically. Just find an ending. Find an ending. That's really the problem with so many of them is there was no ending. <laughs> it's always the problem. <laughs> it's always the problem. Same with movies too. Yeah. It's the third act. Um, and I'll throw in God just because – or consciousness. Um, uh, there's no advice to give because it is, uh, it, it is everybody's personal uh, journey. Love it. Hardest time you've ever laughed in your life? One of them? Um, As a child with your children? On I drugs. mean I remember laughing very hard but I couldn't tell you the context of it. The joke never matters. <laughs> It's always just <laughs> so perfect. The joke never matters. That's it. That's a great way to end. It's like a koan. Uh, thank you, Michael Ian Black. I enjoyed it. Do you feel Me good? Me too. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Yeah, go enjoy your brunch. Who's it with? Uh, a, a, a woman that I barely know, but we had coffee once, and then she's she's a journalist, and I think she. It doesn't matter. I'm not. I'm not fucking her. Thank you very much to the guest. Uh, we end with the guest saying, keep it crispy, if you don't mind. Yeah, keep it crispy. Thank you. I will. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com.